Blog Talk Radio. It is now time for your weekly football party. Live from the IMLD Home Studios. In its eighth season, this is In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. With your hosts, Jay and Dre. Yes, indeed. Welcome in. You are listening live to Much Less Detail, the podcast. We are here with you live on a Friday night, January the 15th, 2021. I'm Dre. He's Jay. And divisional round action coming up in the NFL tomorrow. First, we look back on wild card action or make a stupid, silly wild card action from last week, whatever the uh, marketing campaign happened to be for that. Uh, Jay, not week for either one of us last weekend, uh, but definitely two games that we were battling against each other on the short end of that. So it was, uh, had to be quite a, a, a painful watch for you uh, last weekend. It, it was, but I didn't feel too bad about it. Um, you know, again, being down just under, just shy of six points after Wild Card Weekend, it's, 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 that's pretty good for me still. This and is, you probably this, think you have me right where you want me because this is exactly, your, your weekend. That's right. That's right. You're like the Chiefs against the Colts in that playoff game a few years ago, you know. He's out in yeah. front, a little overconfident. Or, or was that the Titans the next year when I actually texted you? Got you right where I want you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, no, it's it's still, uh, you know, thankfully uh, we didn't differ on more because you could have run away with this if you just would have gone against me on all my picks. Sure. You could have put me away wild card weekend because it was, it was awful. I mean, the Bills had the cover, and then, of course, they let the Colts come back. Um, we both lost the Seahawks-Rams. Uh, we pushed on Tampa-Washington. Uh, we both lost on Baltimore, our Super Bowl pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we did for doubting them. The Bears apparently don't get to go for two at the end of the game, I guess. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate uh, it. <laughs> yeah, come on. So basically, if that touchdown had been scored with with anything other than no time left on the clock, they would have lined up for it. That's exactly a perfect reason to hate on Mitch Trubisky, who just refused to even try to get into the end zone yeah. until there was no time left. And, okay, fine, we'll go for it now. And, of course, we all saw that Cleveland-Pittsburgh game coming a mile away, right? Sure. Yeah. Everyone saw 28 nothing coming, uh-huh. 28 nothing fast. I mean, yeah. that was like blink and you missed it, 28 nothing. You know, that was turn on the TV if you got there a half hour late and expecting a, a, to be in the middle of a real good game, and you go, yeah. oh, oh, Yeah, we, no. actually had, we had actually stopped over uh, last Sunday night uh, at a friend's house after work because um, we never, ever, uh, usually we get together around Christmas, so we were like, oh, you know, we went up over there. It was just us and them and the kids, and we went over there, and we exchanged our Christmas presents and, and had a little dinner, and the you know, Bears-Saints game was finishing up. And then we're downstairs, uh, me and uh, and Grant and my buddy, we're all downstairs in his basement, and he has a game on, and literally the game just came on. I mean, it's like everything was on, and then it was like, wait, wait, wait the, what's, what's going on? What's that ball rolling towards the, oh, oh, my, oh, no, oh, no. And yeah. you just, 
yeah, that 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 pretty much encapsulated the whole weekend for me, and that the whole season for Pittsburgh. And there it was, right there. You just snapped the ball over uh, Roethlisberger's head, who 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 kind of Cam Newtoned it, just standing there looking at it. He definitely did not jump on that thing. Uh, he he, went, he ran back there and 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 looked at it and stared at yeah. it uh, and wondered what was going on. But yeah, he wasn't trying to, to, yeah. to stick his head in there and cover that thing up. No, and I remember Cam Newton getting thrown under the bus for that in that Super Bowl. I believe that was against Denver, mm-hmm. um, where he got strip sacked. It was like, nah, I ain't going. Nah, you know, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I didn't jump it in there. And Roethlisberger was kind of. Kind of didn't, didn't seem like he wanted any piece of that uh, action down there, juggling around for the ball as they're kind of doing the whole, you know, like almost like, oh, geez, uh, the holy roller thing going on down there towards the, where that ball just kept going farther and farther back and the guys kept fumbling for it and then ended up jumping on it in the end zone. But uh, yeah, Roethlisberger, I immediately caught that one. Like he really didn't seem like he wanted to jump on that ball, take that hit. Yeah, I'm glad you saw it. I, I saw it too. Uh, yeah, he 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 and James Conner actually chased after that thing and didn't jump on it, and they allowed Carl Joseph to eventually grab it in the end zone, and that's how the game started, and mm-hmm. it was over basically at that point after one yeah. play. Throws four picks in the game. Yeah, he racks up a whole bunch of stats though, trying to, to rally that comeback. Five hundred some odd yards. Some some empty yards in you know. Yeah. I just started, you know, when they kept cutting that thing down to 11, 12, you're like, oh, maybe, maybe. But that that top that top defense just kept giving it up the other way. Every time you thought Pittsburgh had <laughs> right, then. ropes, that defense would just give it right back up. I was like, okay, I guess it's just not Pittsburgh's night. Not their year. Not uh, You, you got to be uh, really out there in your mind when you're, if you're a Steelers fan and, and Bryce, I'm looking right at you uh, to, to see that start to the season, to see that perfect start and, and all those wins. And, uh, Oh my gosh, you're the best team in football and, and they can't be beat. And they just keep winning. It, it, it doesn't look very pretty, but they just keep finding ways to win. And then that's the playoff performance that you give. That's what happens when you finally get a chance to, to prove yourself. And, and especially against that team, the team that you just sunned earlier in the season and, and, uh, a team that you sent your second stringers out there just last week, and they almost beat them. And, and boy, they would have loved to have beat them because then the Browns wouldn't have made the playoffs, and you would have really liked that if you were Pittsburgh. You would have preferred that in hindsight. Again, hindsight being twenty twenty. But yeah, that's just a, a gut punch, uh, an unbelievable way to to lose a playoff game where you're just routed from the beginning, from the very first play. 28 nothing. I really stopped paying attention after 28 nothing. It was the game was on, but I wasn't really looking. So all those empty stats, all those yards, I, I, it was the game was over. So I wasn't really paying attention to it. Yeah, once it got, I won't even say once it got to 28 nothing, but I would definitely say after halftime, uh, which was 35 10, definitely saw a change in in Cleveland's defense. Cleveland's defense. It, you see this with a lot of teams, especially younger teams, they base it, and, and some teams lose because of this, uh, you know, like Atlanta is, does all the time, you, you know, where the they're, they're playing not just the other team, but they're also just playing to just keep everything in front of you, let them get all these empty yards, and let they, just let the clock keep running, because it's just time now, right? Just let the time run out, 
and 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 we're fine. But it kind of gave Pittsburgh a lot of momentum in that third quarter. Pittsburgh, uh, you know, had that thing down to about 12, yeah, 35-23 at the end of the third quarter uh, going into the fourth. And you're like, oh, okay, that's we've 12 points at the end of the third quarter is – even though the eye test was telling you that Pittsburgh was being dominated, Cleveland definitely changed their game plan defensively and just more of a, you know, don't give up anything big, just you know, make make them make them take their time, and and then Pittsburgh just all of a sudden just again let Cleveland keep converting and and going on some drives, and Roethlisberger just decided he's I'm going to keep throwing picks. It just it just wasn't there, and you know all the warning signs were there. I mean, nobody was more critical of that team down the stretch than us two, and we still picked them. So that's on us. Yep. <laughs> well, we we thought that you know they got the perfect matchup. They got the team that they knew that they could handle, and the team that always always underachieves and always comes up short and always disappoints their fans and their city and themselves. And and for one night, the Cleveland Browns were not the disappointment on the field. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, and and all the problems that we talk about with the Steelers uh, showed up. Fifty-two right. yards, fifty-two yards. Now again, you're down twenty-eight to nothing, uh, basically, at the end of the first quarter. <laughs> and it was twenty nothing at the end. So I, I understand that it's hard, you're not going to run your way back into the game, um, but you know you still had to get to twenty-eight to nothing. Yeah, running. Yeah, is not is not what made uh, Ben Roethlisberger keep getting pressured and overshooting his checkdown right. targets and and having balls pop off their hands for interceptions. Uh, the the run game doesn't really solve that issue. That that's a Ben is uh, overused and and maybe a little washed up issue. That's what that was. Right, and I haven't heard much um, on that front as far as you know. Are they are they putting the band back together? Are they bringing it all back? Um, you know, you did. I I wouldn't have expected that the uh, that Mike Tomlin would get out coached by a, a dude in his basement. Um, <laughs> you know, but hey, the president lost, the president on the lost to a dude know. in his basement too. So it's very Trump-like of Mike Tomlin. <laughs> so I guess it's a year for losing to dudes in their basements. I guess. Uh, uh, I I had said Alex Van Pelt needed to dial up a a good game plan and like. I, I guess he did, but Pittsburgh. Do we really know how good the, the Cleveland game no. plan was? Because Pittsburgh basically just said, uh, "Here's the game. We don't want it." Exactly. We have no idea what the Browns would have done in a real game. That wasn't a real game. That was a complete uh, gift. That was gift wrapped yes. with a bow, Christmas present, late Christmas present. Here's the game. Here we don't want it. We don't care. Just right off, right off the bat, right from the get go, that very first snap. All the terrible flashbacks uh, of the Peyton Manning Super Bowl uh, where the Broncos lost, or was he on the Colts at that point, uh, lost to the Seahawks. Uh, that was the Denver. That was, oh, that was, a, that, was that, yeah, that 43 to 8 or whatever it was route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and that, that was uh, jumped off, wasn't right off the bat, the very first snap of the game, but it was very early where he got a ball snapped over his head for a safety. And it's like, um, that's not supposed to happen to us. We're we're, we're better than that, and yeah. they never they never got it back on track. That that really rattles a team. Like when you have something catastrophic like that happen, especially very first play of the game. That I can't imagine what the Steelers were feeling like. They had to be looking around at each other like, really, this is how we're gonna go out? Really? Oh, after everything, yeah, this and, is how we're like, gonna go out. 
in a normal situation, I think Cleveland get you get that type of a first quarter against most other teams. Uh, Cleveland probably wins this game thirty-eight to three, or they just blow them out. But you know, Pittsburgh came back because you know Pittsburgh probably had that no, no, not to these guys thing going on in that game. Like we're not going out like this. So Pittsburgh did put up the fight, but. I'm still stunned by the fact that that number one or whatever it was, whatever ranking they had on defense was very high. Um, you give up 48. Yeah, there's that. Uh, there, there's, you know, a little bit of the, you know, you're not going to let the little brother completely walk over you. But there's also that offense is set up to do that, to just keep throwing over and over again with no yeah. repercussions because that's basically yeah. what they were doing all year. That's what they did when they came back against the Colts which was why I didn't put any faith in that comeback against the Colts. You know, when, I, when you asked me, like, oh, are the Steelers back? And I was like, no, no, they're not back. It, that'll work for a half. So, so again, totally on you and I because, you know, we went against all the warning signs um, that that team has put on the record over and not played impressively over that last, five games after 11 and 0 and even the 11 and 0 the run up to 11 and 0 was like eh, I don't know um and they deserved it uh they they they're going home and, and they definitely deserve to go home <laughs> excuse me and uh you know we, we that was two two picks where we went against uh our natural inclination because our other one would have been uh to pick to go with the team that we both had in the Super Bowl and we didn't Right. And credit um, to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens for hey, down ten nothing. Lamar Jackson can't win games if he's down now he now he's got that one that he at least took care of. So Yeah, check that off the list. Down ten, he um, came back and won the although Tennessee uh I don't know, Tennessee completely kind of turtled. You know, that you could see that Baltimore was just going to not allow them to run the ball and Tennessee just for whatever reason, was just stopped attacking the perimeter completely. And, and I don't know what Tennessee's offensive game plan was once Derrick Henry was kind of stymied. Well, we got to first of all give credit to the public. The betting public liked the Baltimore Ravens <clears throat> right off the bat. Yes. We were stunned that they were favorites at Tennessee uh, as, as well as the Titans that played all year as much hard as they had shown. Uh, the Ravens, of course, were hot as hell and – so it's not a complete surprise that there was a lot of money, but uh, put it out, put on them, but enough money to make that where the Titans were the underdog. That was, was stunning to both of us. The public liked Baltimore all along. They got it right. We got that wrong. The Titans started off 10 to nothing. Yeah. Uh, as you, as you just said, and, and it was an ugly start too. It was the, the typical Lamar Jackson, terrible throws, or you look at where he's where he's where the ball supposed to be going and where it actually goes, and you go, that's not anywhere near where your target was. What are you doing, dude? Where how how did you miss that badly? Um, and, and it looked like it was going to start to be you know Titans all day, but of course uh, Derrick Henry never really got going, and that was a big part of the Titans not being able to to get it going on offense. Uh, the Ravens give them credit for turning it around for making. Uh, the Titans play one-dimensional from taking the run game completely away from them. Uh, although I thought Derrick Henry was about to start revving it up in the fourth quarter, which he always does. And I think Mike Vrabel and, and Arthur Smith lost their nerve and didn't keep going back to him, didn't keep feeding him because they had seen him get stymied so much over and over again during the game that when he finally gets his 
long carry of the day, which was eight yards for God's sake. Um, but when he finally gets that, but it looked to me like it was the beginning of one of those carries. Like it was, the defense was starting to break down a little bit. And it's, I've seen this so many times in Titans games. Oh, there's a little bit of a crack. They're starting to break down. Now hand it, hand it off, go right back to that same hole and it's going to break wide open. And now he's going to get 20, 25. And now it's going to start snowballing. I've seen it so many damn times, but I don't know if they just lost their, their guts or if the, you know, the score uh, they were playing from behind and they didn't want to try to rely on the run for, to come back because time was running out, which I understand, but it, it's, frustrating to me because I thought I was seeing the beginning of Derrick Henry's about to turn this whole thing around and, 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 and beat the, the Ravens in the fourth quarter by running for like 70, 80 yards just in that one quarter alone, but he never got the opportunity. Yeah. And I know the play you're talking about. It was a runoff to the left and he got into the secondary. It was, it was uh, not like a hard, it was, it was basically a guy diving at his legs. Otherwise, if somebody doesn't trip him out and get his legs he out, might have gone right there. It, yeah, it was there was nobody in front of him for a very long way. So, so I'm with you on that. Where you know he's like, oh, okay, here here it is. This is this is where the running game's going to start going. But it never really, never really happened. And you know, in 20 to 13, I don't know if I learned a lot about Baltimore because that just felt like a game where Lamar Jackson was like, ah, you know, he played a little bit of what I like to call all oh, fuck it ball, where he's just. <laughs> You know, he he had to take over the game, and that became sort of the the attitude was like, ah, fuck it, I'm just gonna do it. I'll do it myself. <laughs> so I don't know how that, that translates into the next game. You know, you can't, you don't know how that's ever gonna look week to week. You can't rely on Lamar Jackson to run for 150 yards every week. Yeah, but they kind of do, don't they? That's kind of their, their their game. Is is Lamar and also all their other running backs is not just Lamar, but it's a huge part of it. Is is Lamar? Yeah. No, I understand, but the other guys weren't doing much. Lamar was Lamar Jackson was the running game against Tennessee. Right. He pretty much just threw the team on his back and was like, "All right, guys, I'm just we're gonna I'm tired of this losing in the first round stuff. I'm gonna at least get this one." <laughs> well, yeah, good for him. It was uh, it, it was hard to watch because, like I said, I think the Titans had a chance to to turn it around. It was it was, uh, it was twenty to thirteen makes it seem like it was close. It didn't seem like it was even that close. Uh, the, the Titans were pretty much outplayed from the first quarter on when, from that 10, nothing lead, it was pretty much uh, 20 to 13. Obviously they only got three, the whole rest of the game. Uh, so did, so do you feel like Lamar arriving? I guess you kind of just answered that question. Did, did he break the slump? Did, did he arrive now? Uh, the answer of the questions uh, as a quarterback, and did he get over the hump by, by leading this big comeback victory? Uh, I, I'm guessing you're you're not uh, really buying it that much. I I'll use the same analogy as I did when this with the Steelers. You know, when we talked about the way they beat the Colts, we're like it was good enough for that one game. Right. It's not going to be good enough every week, you know. And and and, and Tennessee is fairly one dimensional team. I mean, they have a good offense. They put up a lot of points, but it's a lot of it's a lot of it is it, it's scheme. You know, I, is, I think it's scheme more than talent with Tennessee. Baltimore's got a different task on their hands this week. They they got their hands full this sure. week. Because, you know, you weren't really playing a team. And Tennessee is not necessarily, even though they can put up a lot of points, you don't really look at the Titans as a team 
uh, that you're afraid of getting into a shootout with. They'll get into shootouts with bad offense, uh, bad defensive teams. Like they'll get into shootouts with the, the Texans, but that looked like what it should have looked like—a low-scoring, kind of ugly. Uh, which was funny because I think we said we liked the over on that game. Hmm. And that, you know, I think that was the game that we were pointing at. Like we just expected them to just run and run and run it, and you know, and have a crazy because it was a lot of offense and the way Baltimore's run. No, it actually ended up turning into a defensive game. And, and which is uh, sad for Tennessee because their defense finally kind of showed up, which hadn't yeah, been there but, all year. But then you can't let Lamar you can't you can't let Lamar Jackson just you know do the one read ah I'm gonna run for fifty yards to get a touchdown. That's not gonna work. Right, the Ravens defense showed up even harder, like way yes. harder than I expected them to. I really uh, expected the the shootout, and I expected the Titans to go for about you know four hundred some odd yards as a team and they only got up to 226 is that right uh 216 yeah uh, 216 yards of offense is pathetic and i don't want to take credit away from baltimore because they came to play they brought it they brought the wood to derrick henry they were right there uh every time he, he tried to hit a hole they they closed it down pernell mcphee uh, had a, the game of his career. Uh, every time I looked up, he was in the backfield. Uh, LJ Ford, just all those guys were, were just waiting for, for Henry and Brian Tannehill couldn't turn it around uh, through the air because as we know, he's got sort of a, a limited receiving core. He's got AJ Brown, who's a stud, but once you know you get past him and Corey Davis has been hobbled uh, for the right. second half of the season, uh, there's not much else left out there, and and you, you saw the shortcomings of the Titans' offense when you shut down Derrick Henry. It, it it's really really bad because scheme based, I'm, maybe no more than the no other team more so than the Titans rely on on their their run to set up their pass and rely on that scheme. And, and when you set, shut down the run, there's there's just, just nothing left. It's all got to run through Derrick Henry, and then they feed off of that. And if you just keep shutting Derrick Henry down, like you said, even when there was that faintest glimmer, like, you know, it's easy for us to see it, I think, on the couch. You know, and it's got to be different when, when you're on a sideline or you're in the coaching box and you're you're, play, you're coaching and playing for your season that, you know, you know, and they, you've only got 30 seconds to call that next play. You know, it's easy for us to look at it and see, like, maybe there's a little – like you felt like maybe there was a little momentum change there, but it was, it was gone. You know, it was just, it was there for a moment and then it faded away and it happened so fast. Um, this is why this matchup this week with, with Buffalo is just so like, now you're talking about teams that are virtually polar opposites. Yeah, definitely. When you look at it on paper, it's something uh, I'm really excited for, for that game. I'm really excited yeah. for one of those two quarterbacks to break through and, and go to the to the conference finals and, and really show what they're made of. I'm, I'm hoping it's not going to be a, a dud game where they're both throwing terrible balls and just the, the oh, best of the yeah, world comes like out a, on top. It's a 16 to 13 game or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, no, which is just, that's just, that just tells you that about the total 180 that you've done on Josh Allen that, you, you know, you're looking at him, you're looking at a game with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and you're like, I, you know, you're actually talking like favorably about whoever wins that game coming out and like making something for themselves. Um, it just continues the, uh, you know, for what something like, like six months ago, even if you thought you would have ever said that about Josh Allen, um, you'd been like, no, 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 I, no, no glowing praise for the project. 
but here we no, are. They're not. And that's why I'm afraid it's going to be a shit fest. <laughs> Way too much love for for Project out of me. I'm I'm afraid he's going to go. Oh, back to I it, see. So. Oh no. Are you? Oh, yeah. Are you saying he's going to get hurt? No, no, no. I'm saying it's going to be a Matt Barkley game. Someone's going to roll both. up on his <laughs> oh, ankle, God. and you just talked. You just talked so much about him, like you did it, like to that poor kid pitcher for the for the Cardinals who you killed. Oh my guy, um, the hell, my guy whose name I can't remember right now, Alexander something. Um, oh, was it Alex Reyes? Reyes, that's that's you killed name. him. I I didn't kill him. I witnessed the one of the statistically greatest games in the history of minor league baseball, and I said, this guy yeah. when he gets up to the majors, is, he's going to be a thing. He's going to be. Uh, he looks like he's going to be the the real deal, the next big thing. And he tears his ACL and not his ACL, but his yeah. It was, yeah. It is this Tommy John arm right. and it has to go under that surgery. Yeah, he that, got called ligament. up to the bigs, pitched like once or twice, and that was it. Blew his arm out. Yeah. Blew his arm out. So I remember texting you like how you killed the poor kid. So. Uh, no, I'm not thinking, I'm hoping I'm not going to kill Project or Lamar. What I'm afraid of is they're both, they both have such obvious weaknesses to their game. When they have bad games, they have really bad games. And I'm just kind of wondering or hoping it's not going to be something like that, where they're both just sticking out the joint. And it's like, Ugh. oh, and now you're just waiting for which defense makes the, the, the last big play uh, in order to win the game for their team. Yeah, I guess uh, talking about glowing praise, I guess it's okay to say after that national championship game that, uh, hey, that Devontae Smith's pretty good. He's not bad. He might go uh, pretty high in the draft. First round. Uh... <laughs> dunking on myself a little right now <laughs> that's that's good that's fine okay we, we we all should dunk on ourselves every now and then it's, it's, uh, humility is a lost art um I, I wanted to go back to the both the ravens titans game and the steelers browns game and speaking of dunking on uh it is easy to look at this, these things from your couch and criticize and, and say hey i i wouldn't have done that if i had that opportunity, which we don't know what we would have done, but in both of those games, uh, some some loss of, of of ballage or loss of guts, whatever you want to call it, by both Mike Vrabel and Mike Tomlin, they both got pilloried and rightfully so for their some of their punt decisions. Vrabel, when you got Derrick Henry as your running back, I understand he's having a really tough day. I get that, but uh, one of those uh, situations where couldn't believe that they didn't run with him on uh, a third down where it was, it was very short yardage late in the game. Baltimore was only up by four, uh, 17, 13. Um, and they're, they're running throws for Janu Smith and uh, they, oh, yeah. they don't go for it on fourth down. And, and uh, so Mike Vrabel is showing uh, that he had no, no guts in that situation. And it was a tough day. It was a tough day if you're, if you're the Titans coach and you're watching your, your team go up to nothing and then just get completely uh, backed down and, and taken down by the Ravens and, and the way they rallied back. And, and they're jumping and hollering and, and jumping on your logo and everything. But uh, he had a bad day. He had some, some situations where he should have went for it. And Mike Tomlin in that Steelers game had really had some oh, bad situations. Yeah. When they had uh, all the momentum in the world, and they passed up on that fourth down to punt. Uh, 
There's a couple of them, yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, but there was think... there was the one for sure where I think they had cut that lead pretty sizably. Like you could feel everything was going Pittsburgh's way, and he passed up. I think it was a fourth and four. Okay, maybe there was... around maybe around midfield ish, and he punted it back to Cleveland, and just Cleveland just drove the whole field, and scored a touchdown. Like uh, that there was, was the game to me. That's probably the same one that I'm looking at. I think it was fourth and one, believe it or not. Oh, uh, okay. down, that's even worse. You're down 12. You're down 12. Yeah, that, that's what it was. Down, yep. And you're punting on fourth and one. Like, what are you doing? Why are you out there? Um, and before that, when it was 28 to nothing, they uh, they got to the Browns' 38-yard line. Um, and got to and got to fourth and nine and decided to punt. Like, why would you not just you're you're down four touchdowns and you're punting and you're in their territory? Uh, yeah, he had a bad yeah. day. Mike Tomlin just did not have a good day. Yeah, that's about all you can say about that. He, he definitely had a bad day. Uh, so the uh, the two games that I got over you. Um, I wanted to talk about the uh, the Saints Bears game uh, because I have a, a different perspective on it because I didn't watch the normal telecast that everyone watched. Oh, did you watch Nickelodeon? I did. I made oh, fun of no. it uh, on the on the show uh, on the pregame yes. on the preview show, and and then I decided to flip it on at the beginning just to check out the vibe and see what what all they were going to do. And it was, I guess. Um, compelling enough that I stayed with it. I just didn't want to turn so, to, to CBS. I mean, okay, so I'm assuming they're going after the kid viewers. So was there like an oversimplification? Were they like explaining things more? Yes, but not was in a like way a, that... Not like a football 101, you know? Not like a Steve Stone, like, hey, for you kids at home on every play, you know? It wasn't, it wasn't quite that basic. Um, it was definitely much more... Uh, I guess, educational uh, based than a normal uh, telecast. But I would argue that football probably needs that more than any other sport because of the 7 trillion rules and yeah. flags and different things going on there that they have. Yeah. Um, as, that's from, as, this is from a person, I agree with you from a person who is basically a self-taught football watcher. Like I, I was just about to bring up the as, game by watching it as we've talked about many times growing up that every year it felt like there was something else that we learned about football that we didn't know was a rule yeah. or didn't know was a thing because there's so many rules and there's so many uh, different things that go on out there. Yeah. We were in the exact same. You remember the old, like you, you make the call, right? Yeah. <laughs> you remember that? Like, that was how obscure, although the answer was always touchback at the 20, always. but always, but it was always something to do with some obscure rule in football. Yes. That's how many there are. And you could do that for baseball, but football to me more so is just chock full of rules and explanations and uh, situations where you say, well, if this happens, then this is supposed to be called. But if this happens, then you have to call this. Right. Like in contradictions, right? Right. Like if you're punting and the guy and the receiving team touches the ball, it's a muff. But if the receiving team blocks the ball, it's not a live ball. <laughs> oh, boy. What? Yeah. <laughs> Good luck explaining that to, to Grant when he gets older. Um, okay, so they could pick it up because the other team touched it first, uh, the, the, uh, because the kicking team touched it, and therefore they could call it but down there. But not if there, they blocked but it, but, but they touched it. A... <laughs> yeah. 
So you can pick uh, it up and run with it because if you fumble afterwards, then it doesn't count as a fumble because the other team touched it first, see? But if they didn't touch it first, then it would be a fumble. Okay. So anyway, my point was um, I, I watched the, the Nickelodeon telecast just to try to see how they were doing it, and I guess they did it in a way that was entertaining enough for a, a lifelong fan, uh, but hopefully entertaining enough for a, a youngster that didn't quite know what was going on. Uh, so how they did it was they had a three-person booth. They had uh, – as actually Ian Eagle's son was the play-by-play guy. Oh, and boy. It was the very first game he ever called. And I'm ashamed to say that he was better than a lot of the guys that they have as their number three and number four broadcasters on Sunday. Uh, he was actually – very good at it, and he should be, being Ian Eagle's son. Uh, the second person in the booth was Nate Burleson. I texted you about that. Uh, yes. So they had they had an actual football person up there, but yes. he My only claim just... to fame with Nate Burleson is that he liked a tweet of mine one time. Look, celebrity, uh, that's that's more cred than, than I have on my Twitter. Uh, <laughs> my <laughs> biggest claim to fame is still the, the Dove body wash people that were hyping me up after I went eight and oh in the uh the <laughs> big dance that one that one that well, one there year. Go. There you go. But that's not a person, that's a company. That's just you know random yeah. company that happens to sponsor the big dance hyping me up. Uh but anyway. But Burleson, he wasn't just football guy. He was definitely football guy. He was definitely the guy explaining the rules, but he's like a big Nickelodeon Fan. He's like a big, obviously, uh, you know, like a father, and he's got a, a lot of uh, things about the, the programming on Nickelodeon that he's really into. So he was like uber hyped, uh, but not, you know, over the top, but very knowledgeable about football and probably equally as knowledgeable about Nickelodeon and their, and their programming, which made him the perfect guy for, for that particular job. The third person in the booth would make you throw up a little bit. It was some 15-year-old girl that has a show on Nickelodeon and clearly oh. didn't know anything about football, and she was just there to provide the occasional, uh, you know, one-liner or, oh, that was a big hit there, and something like that. Um, so she she had that cool factor going and, and did, but didn't know anything about the sport. But that's that's fine. It's Nickelodeon. I, I don't have any problem with that. And to be honest, in that role, she was – good like she didn't try to overstep her bounds she didn't try to do anything that was out of out of her league or whatever everyone played their role really nicely in that telecast the uh so they they had the the graphics going they had the, somebody got into the, in the end zone they had some uh slime graphics that everybody in the end zone was getting slimed uh so they had all that going they had some different uh graphics like the uh the first down line on the field was, you know, all multicolored and, and fancy and whatnot. So they, they did their best to, you know, kid-friendly it up without uh, obscuring the game and without making the, the game completely secondary. Um, I pretty much give the telecast like an uh, an A or an A- minus for what they were trying to do, trying to appeal to the younger fans while also realizing that it's an NFL playoff game. So there's obviously a level of importance there. The only, I guess, uh, criticism I had was, so whatever uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson did to provoke yet another Chicago Bears receiver into slapping him and and getting ejected, um, which is just, I I don't even understand how you you let that happen again. 
Um, this is Anthony Miller this time. It was Javon Wims in the regular season. Um, the Nickelodeon telecast didn't uh, cover it at all. They just did oh. not want to. They didn't want to touch it. They pretended like it didn't happen. You heard the referee make an announcement that someone had been ejected. You have absolutely, literally no idea what happened. They just completely glossed over it, went to a commercial, came back, and just blah, 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 you know, everything is fine. I actually had to turn over to CBS to see what the hell happened, who got ejected and why, and, and what, what exactly uh, went down there. So that's my only complaint is they, they tried to gloss over something that they clearly wanted to hide and obscure. Don't hide it. Right. That, that's, a, that's a teachable moment. Somebody lost their cool and punched someone who's wearing a helmet, which is not only, that number one, above everything, really stupid because you can break your fucking hand. Uh, and then number two, uh, got himself thrust, tossed out of the game and hurt his team, and, and it's bad bad sportsmanship. Don't do that. So they, they could have yeah. went that route, but they chose not to. Well, I'm glad you talked about the broadcast, because that means that we didn't talk about the game. So putting that aside for a second, I just have to ask you now, you've had the whole season. Now you've had 17 games. I have to ask you, aren't you just so glad they brought everybody back in Chicago? But I knew they were going to do that. I mean, right, when they ran that, when they they ran off that three in a row, like at that point when they had lost the six in a row, and you were starting to see that hope, right? You're starting to get the glimmer. Like, yes, Trubisky's going to be gone, and the coach is going to get fired. Maybe they'll finally get rid of that no account. No, then they they win the three in a row and kind of back their way into the playoffs um, because the Cardinals aren't ready for prime time. And then they go out and they do that. Oh. Yeah, Didn't unfortunately, dropped the uh, wide open touchdown. I mean, that was Ron Wims oh wide open. God. But here's the thing that that's a perfect uh, example of why I'm I'm done with this regime is because that one trick play that flip back to Mitch Trubisky for the long bomb yeah. to Javon Wims that beautiful went right throw. through his hands in the end zone, beautiful throw went right through his hands. So that was it. That yeah, that, like, was, that was all they had. That was it. That was the extent of Matt Nagy's creativity for this big playoff game. This is the biggest game of your life. This is your big moment. You get in the playoffs. You, you get to show everybody your geniusness. And they had nothing else the rest of the game. They looked no, it was so like You literally bad. felt, I even knew at that point the pick was lost. Like, if that dude had caught the ball, I win that pick, I felt like. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, because the Saints, you know, for everything, they only put up 21. It wasn't like the Saints – were world beaters and they were playing a good defense. Uh, and the Bears defense the first three quarters looked very lethargic. Yes, and the Bears defense was was definitely fired up. They played the underdog role well. I mean that wasn't truly a cover until almost the fourth quarter. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then the Bears and every time it's like the worst thing the Bears could do was just try to play offense because it was not pretty. No, and that's why I'm the way I feel about that whole regime about. Uh, Adam, uh, are you about to call him Adam Gates? <laughs> Probably. Uh, Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy. They're the same guy. Brian, Brian, yeah, it really is. Brian Pace, Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky, uh, all three of them. I, I don't care how what how long they bring them back. I don't care what the old lady thinks of them. As far as I'm concerned, every last one. Now I'm done. Have nothing to do with any of them because that team is not going to do anything else. Uh, better than that. Next year, they might make the playoffs again uh, and go down in the first round again. But they, but there's nothing. That, how do you get to that stage and have one trick play and nothing else the rest of the game? How? I, I don't understand. 
It was almost like that play didn't work, and they were just like, well, that's it. (laughs) So much for that. Good night, everybody. All right, we tried. (laughs) God. Uh, That had to be frustrating, because I know that's your team. I mean, you you know, I'm sure you you probably even got excited watching that guy wide open in the end zone, and then just, like, it was like basketball right through his arms. It was a long three pointer. It was a Steph Curry shot right through the I basket. I mean, we grew up. We were, you know, we grew up. We were all well to do when we were growing up in Chicago or anything. You remember playing basketball in school where we just make the hoop ourselves, right? <laughs> right. We put that the arms out. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much what the guy did. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was. It was, it was tough. Uh, so I have the 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 pick, but I'm. Looking at the Saints, not exactly set the world on fire, but then they turn every time they turn the ball back to Chicago, they can't do anything with it. And I'm like, Ugh, this, this is maybe that's why I like the Nickelodeon telecast so much because they gave me some energy and and some something to be interested in. Uh, and if I were watching on CBS, there, there would have been nothing. Yeah, you know, and you wanted, you know, you'd brought up the other game that you beat me on, which was Indian Buffalo, and I would say, yes, you won the pick. I'm glad Buffalo won. I even said I would take a Buffalo win. I didn't want them to lose, and I kind of, you know, got what I wished for. Even though I lost the pick, I'm still so glad that Buffalo won. Um, Indy made history. I believe that was the first time in history a team had 450 plus yards of offense and no turnovers and lost. <laughs> That's quite the trick. Did you Good hear that one? You. Did you hear that? Yeah, I think that I was, did. Yeah. Um, but what that tells me is that Indy basically played perfect and still mm-hmm. lost to Buffalo. They still lost, and they played perfect. Like, Indy played the best game they could play. Like, that's the best the Colts can do. That just tells me that, again, that that's how good the Bills are. That the Bills weathered all of that. And they was like they still figured out a way to make plays, and Josh Allen still had he had a great day. Uh, he was over 300 yards. Um, he was also their leading rusher, which I don't like. But you know those guys, Singletary and Moss. Okay, um, there's not, not much you can do. You get Moss hurt. They're early. guys. He's done they're for guys. the year. Yeah. So you, you got pretty much Singletary and 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 some bums behind him. So right. That's, so that's understandable. Josh Allen, did it all himself, and they weathered a storm against a team that was balanced. I mean, they were throwing, they were running. Um, you, you felt like you, you felt like uh, they weren't really, you know, ever. You know, they hardly punted the ball. So Indy was efficient, and that was again, they were well coached. And they did everything they should have done to win the game, and they still lost. And they didn't win by a fluke. They lose by a fluke. It wasn't like a. You know, actually, Buffalo was getting pretty well. Buffalo was getting jobbed on that last uh, drive so hard <laughs> with these bad calls and these crazy. That that last drive, watching the Colts try to get into field goal range, was just incredible. The way you felt like the Bills just kept getting hosed on bad call after bad call. I'm like, you know what? The Colts are going to get themselves down there, and we're going to go to overtime. And the Bills still held. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I thought the Colts were the better team. I know the Bills uh, eventually took the a double digit lead, but I, I thought Indianapolis played a, a, a the better game. I thought they did what they were supposed to do, which is uh, use their big advantage, which is on the ground against Buffalo. Uh, a a lot of teams uh, get down like that and panic and and don't 
run the ball anymore. I'm looking at you Titans and uh, don't know what to do. And the Colts actually said, Hey, we, we know what we're better at. We know Phillip rivers is not leading us to a big comeback by throwing over and over again. Uh, we're just going to use our, our running game. Like we're supposed to do. And we're going to, and they actually came back and covered that spread by staying on the ground and doing uh, what they were supposed to do on the ground. They ran for 163 yards as a team. I thought that was uh, really a, a big moment for them is not trying to rely on Phillip Rivers. I thought that proved that Frank Reich knew what he was doing coming into that game. And I, I thought, I really thought the Colts could have won that game. I'm not going to say should have, but they, they could have won a game. I thought they were the best. Um, I, I think you want to, might want to use Jake Brisket's arm for that Hail Mary at the end of the game. Cause yeah, and I'm shocked that they didn't. I am too. Uh, Rivers didn't even get it to the end zone. To about the five. Yeah. It, it just, Never had a chance, really. Yeah, um, and we've seen that before from them. So I don't mm-hmm. know if that was – I don't know what the thought was there. Like, are you trying to fool somebody? Like, are you not running the – of course you're running the Hail Mary. I, you know, I and at first I when, I saw, when I saw Rivers back there, I thought, okay, they're going to try the, you know, the hook and ladder. Or they're going to just, you know, start playing playing fumble ball, trying to do something. Right. I wish I wish they would have done because a lot of times that can turn the other way and go for a touchdown. But yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, you lost on one of those this year. I'm pretty sure. Yes, you did. I did. <laughs> Definitely try not to remember that. Um, yeah, that was that was actually a, an entertaining game to start the day. Um, you know, both teams had their moments, but both teams also had their their weaknesses. So uh, yeah, Buffalo think, comes out on top in the end. But and I think what did Buffalo win was. I think what did Buffalo in too was Buffalo. I, I think they, you know, they came out tight. I, I think Buffalo came out and they looked, you know, I don't know if it was just the playoff jitters or, you know, the, you know, they, they weren't white, weren't quite sure what to do, you know, the, the way they lost last year and they just didn't look right early in that game. And, um, I had a good feeling for them once they actually got that drive right before halftime and scored the touchdown, at the end of the first half. And it was like, even though Indy had massively outplayed Buffalo in the first half, they were losing at halftime. Yeah. 19, a 96 yard drive. Uh, the Buffalo started from their four, uh, just a series of miracles, <laughs> that entire drive, uh, yeah. uh, throws where the re- receivers are barely dragging their toes and barely bringing it in and oh, just holding on. Crazy. Yeah, Gabriel Davis just kept dragging yeah. his toes. Uh, it, like how could, you could you couldn't get any closer to being incomplete without being complete, basically. But but they were all complete, um, and some third down checkdowns, and, and they got the uh, hard count special for a first down at one point. So they were pulling out all sorts of tricks. They they drew they drew the Colts offside to keep that thing going, uh, and then. Uh, Project uh, gets a 16-yard carry, which is back to your point of him being their leading rusher. Which, but they needed it; they they had to have that. Uh, if they didn't have those legs of his, uh, with, with, again Zach Moss getting taken out, uh, taken out for the season, uh, then it would have been basically relying on Singletary. And, and yeah. Singletary can't be good, but you don't want to rely on him. Um, and that was and then, a, a straight design run too, which right. I the Colts did not see coming because in that spot with that much time left, there wasn't much time left on the clock in the first half. So that's kind of a gutsy call to call the quarterback, basically the quarterback keeper uh, right out of the shotgun, right up the middle. And uh, it worked. 
It did. It got him to the five, and then he kept the option and scored himself. Yeah. <laughs> so he did it. He kind of did it yeah. all there. So, but yeah, but the game, like I said, though, I mean, I watched that. I watched that first half, and I thought, indeed, they 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 had him beat physically. Uh, I think they, I thought they had him beat scheme wise. Like they did, Indy, just everything was going their way. They had and him beat. Uh, still losing at halftime. That just that's got to be. Just, Field position you know, wise, it kept backing the Bills up and, yeah. and putting them inside the five. They uglied the hell out of that game, and that's what yeah. you have to do, I think. You know, so be interesting to see if, if Baltimore is able to do that because um, I, mean, I can't wait to talk about that game. Uh, that, that's good. That's such a good. That that might be my favorite matchup of the weekend. I know everyone's going to talk about Tommy and the Saints, but I I really like this Baltimore Buffalo game. I do too, but but stop talking it up because I'm 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 telling you, the more we talk about it, <laughs> ugly, ugly as hell, both of them. Tell me. <laughs> and there's supposed to be snow. Oh dear. Chance of snow tomorrow in Buffalo. Yeah, it's just adding to the pain, possibly. And and I will say, you did predict that if Buffalo won that game, they would get some prime time love, and they are. Yeah, you gotta you gotta prove it. They, they prove themselves, and you you can't. Hate on Buffalo Baltimore. That's a hell of a matchup. You, you got to give them that that spotlight. Um, although I'm actually surprised that still wasn't three thirty. I think maybe it will be a little on the nose if they made that the the early Saturday game. Like okay, but yeah. no matter what you do, Buffalo, we're gonna do that to you because if you do that and you switch it, then you make uh, Aaron Rodgers in prime time. And I I don't think that's a bad move. I, I think that I, I I'm actually a little surprised that they made Aaron the the early game. Like, that was a bit of a surprise to me. I've almost got the sense looking at it, and I don't know if this will, if any history will back me up on this, but I think it might work out that, especially since they've started doing this afternoon-evening thing where you're going to have one AFC and one NFC primetime matchup. That that would make sense to me. Yeah, yeah maybe. But so you, you can't gotta go wrong with no. Baltimore and Buffalo in that spot. No, that, I'll be, you know, it's an ugly as hell game. I'll be, I'll be home for that game, you know, tomorrow night because, uh, you know, I'll get home from work around seven, so I get home in time to watch that one. So I'm really excited to sit down and just watch that football game because that's gonna be, that's gonna be some fun. Um, and the early game tomorrow is the Rams, and uh, if I watch yeah. that game, if I go back and watch that game ten times, <laughs> you still will never convince me that the Rams scored thirty. That's that's a good point. Um, Even if I watch it with my own eyes over and over and over again, I'm still never going to be like, no, they, no way. They didn't score 30. Uh-uh. Jared Goff and that busted thumb, <sighs> and, and it looked so bad. Yeah. It, some, some of his throws are like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> where is that going? And then he puts he puts it all together and – they actually have a decent day in the air, not good, but much more, much better than I thought when he, when he first had to come in. It was like, oh Jesus, they, they gotta, they yeah. gotta bring the guy in with a busted thumb, and and he and he wins, he wins the game. Jekyll and Hyde, I'm telling and you, you. <laughs> and you could see early in that game what Sean McVay was trying to go for with Walford, right? Like you really got that he was gonna, you know, the, you've had the feel that he was going to use them on some of those design runs and, and he was going to use that mobility. And, and then once it went to golf and it's like, well, I got a guy who's got pins in his thumb who could barely throw a football, like the whole game plan changed. And then it just became the Cam Akers show. 
pretty much. And Seattle's um, defense. Oh my God, Seattle. And you know, and I, I I don't know if you think it's the same, but early in that game, and I don't know, so early in that game, you had DK Metcalf throwing all the tantrums, and it almost felt like on that throw that Russell Wilson got pick six on, like it's just like they were just trying to feed it to him, just like here you go, shut up. Like you want, like you want one here, and the quarter for the, you know, that kid for the Rams was just having none of it. He like fought through the other guy who was supposed to be the blocker to jump that. Like he knew so hard that ball was going there, he was just like trying to run through people to get to that football. Russ definitely tried to force it to DK on that wide receiver screen. You never see a pick six on a wide receiver screen. Bubble screen, you're supposed to have blockers out there ready yeah. to, to take care of anyone that's near the ball. And Darius, Darius Williams anticipated knew. so hard that he, he jumped a wide receiver screen <laughs> and busted through several guys for a 42-yard pick six. It does Tremendous anticipation on his part, but yes, you're absolutely right. Russell's trying to force it to DK, like, okay, you want to you want to be the man? Here you go. Let's see what you got. And Darius Williams was all over it, but that Rams defense, man, and 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 the Seahawks. If any team would know what the Rams are all about, they would know. And the Seahawks didn't make any adjustments. Russ Russ went down five times again. Like, they did. How do you not know what's coming when you play the LA Rams? Yeah, and, and and everybody everybody got a taste. I mean, you know, Leonard Floyd uh got his two sacks cuz that was my mm-hmm. uh that was my pick uh for uh I almost said pick to click. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Put that on the board. I got, you know, it's extra special tonight. I think it was two beers <laughs> tonight. It was a two beer night tonight. But yeah, that was my pick to click. Oh man. No, that was my uh, X factor. Uh, considering that makes seven sacks for Leonard Floyd this year of Russell Wilson. Yeah, how did Seattle know Leonard Floyd was going to do anything? What would they possibly have have to, to base that on? Uh, oh, it could have been the five sacks he had in the two previous games, and then you have Aaron nah. Donald gets two. No, no, those and, yeah, are all and you have Darius Williams just jump. I, I still like you said. I mean, when we were in school, we always that was the, that was the old slappy screen, right? Remember? Yeah. Just take the snap, throw it right there. If somebody, but but the trick was, you never threw that if if the corner was, you know, up on the line. <laughs> and, and Russell threw that. He didn't care. He was like, uh, "There's a blocker there, and I'm going to throw this because you know because DK's over on the sideline chewing everybody out and acting like a baby. So I'm going to give him a ball here." And and Darius Williams is just man. He wanted that ball more. He 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 wanted it more. That, that was one of those. You know, they talk about football football is, you know, men imposing their will on other men, right? That's what that was. That was Darius Williams just wanted it. Yeah, and and that's that's all it took because the Seahawks did not know how to protect Russell Wilson. They could not set him up for any kind of success. He had 11 fucking completions on the day, which is absolutely awful. That MVP, Uh, we haven't heard any of that anymore, have we? No, we haven't. No hashtag let Russ cook. And uh, the Rams were three of fifteen on third down, and Seattle was two of fourteen. That's called neither one of y'all know what you're doing out there. And and I understand how the the, the Seahawks did not uh, prepare better. That you got to put your guy in in better position than that. That that's all that is. You you did not prepare to have Russell Wilson uh, be successful. 
you, you left, left them out to dry. You didn't protect them again. You know you have protection issues. You've had protection issues forever, and you still don't do anything about it. It's just mind-blowing. And, and Pete Carroll couldn't wait until uh, after the game. He could not wait to let the whole world know that the problems that the Seahawks are having and the reasons and what they have to do for next season is they got to go back to establishing the run. Like, that's the reason they can't protect Russ. That's the whole thing. Oh. That's the reason their defense stinks, too. Oh, that, you know. You know and the defense had tightened up a little bit. A little you know, bit. They had. But Pete Carroll's a defensive-minded first guy, right? I mean, he came over as more of a defensive guy. Fine, but you got you got to evolve a little bit. No, I understand that, but this is my point. As we're looking now, and you look at the eight teams that are left in the playoffs, how many of these eight teams left in the playoffs have a defensive-minded head coach? Yeah. You, 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 can, you can count John Harbaugh, even though he's really special teams, but uh, other than that, not, not too many. I'm say that's a short list, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's why I am not a fan of these in this current NFL. I'm not a fan of these defensive head coach hires. You got to hire offensive-minded head coach and get a really good defensive coordinator. Um, just saying. So, any if you watch the news or you see a guy who's getting picked for a head coaching spot or head coaching gig, and he's more of a defense-first guy, that's not going to work today. That's not today's NFL. You're saying the the Jets made a, another mistake. I, yes, I am. Oh. Well, I got sorry. nothing against Robert Sala. Right. Nothing at all. Hell of a candidate. Yeah, I, I mean, what he's done with that San Francisco defense, but, you know, that, that works better when you have Kyle Shanahan as the head coach and, and sort of driving that offensive philosophy, and you can have Robert Sala handle the, the defense. And I understand these guys are just really good coordinators. They want that next job. But, yeah, I'm sitting here today, and it's funny, I saw that news, and I'm thinking, well, how many of these eight teams that are left in the playoffs right now, offensive-minded head coaches? And I looked at the list, and I was like, oh, that's, that's damn near all of them. Yeah. You know, McVay, uh, LaFleur, Stefanski, Andy Reid, Bruce Arian, Sean Payton. I don't know much about Sean McDermott. I, I don't know, because he tried to get fired a couple of seasons ago, so I don't really know <laughs> what his background is. But he's got the one of the top offenses in football. And then you've got John Harbaugh who, you know, maybe he's not an offense first guy, but he knew enough to, to run off Flacco and, and go with the kid. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's an offensive minded league right now. So I feel, I, you know, I don't, you know, it just, you know, and it might, it'll, it'll eventually cycle change. I mean, but I mean, these teams that are left all have really good head coaches that are, mostly offensive-oriented or specifically offensive-oriented and quarterbacks, you know, to go with it. I mean, Baker Mayfield might be a little bit, a little bit of an outlier. He's the, probably the newest on the scene here, so is Josh Allen. But this is what it takes to win in the NFL right now. It's a scoring league. I guess the what I'll say is that Salah, the very first thing he did, the ink wasn't dry, and he went and poached one of the uh, offensive minds from the 49ers yeah, to be his I coordinator. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> Another Lafleur uh, in the league. I'm hoping, I'm hoping he knows enough, but apparently it sounds like they're leaning towards keeping Ghost Boy. Uh, well, maybe, and again, maybe the... I, I am not going to 
cold court on Ghost Boy because they went seven and nine that first year, and he still had you know he had Robbie Anderson, he had some guys, he had nobody this year. I I, I can't argue with that. Uh, he, he definitely is short-staffed. Uh, the, the veterans that he did have were seemed like they never got on the same page as far as being on the same field at the same time. That they were hurt, and he was playing. That he got hurt. Then they started playing. They gave right. Joe Flacco some some actual decent stats. Um, so yeah, once you get some health and then some some more weapons, then yeah, maybe there is something there. So if you so if the plan is you stick with Darnold, then obviously you trade out of two. Yeah, well, I mean, if the cupboard's that bare and you can score, you know, multiple first rounders or like some like tons of depth, yeah, somebody who's really aching for a quarterback because everyone's you know it's going to be. Everyone's going to be whoever wants Justin Fields, right, is going to be jumping to jump up into that number two spot. So, if I'm the you Jets, I'm holding a, that pick hostage. Right, because you should get a great, great package for that. But at the same time, if this you know stick figure that won the Heisman is really is that damn good, uh, then I, I think there's a yeah, chance yeah. that they're going to consider uh, go ahead and taking him to give to give uh, to give Darnold an Darnold actual weapon. weapon. Yeah. No, I I like the kid. That would be Obviously. a meteoric rise to go up to number two. But I mean, we've seen I've seen drafts, I've seen mock drafts where he goes seven. So no. that was before though the the championship game. We just went off. Yeah, that who knows? Maybe that shot him up the board. Maybe, maybe there's people we'll clamoring see. over him. I don't know. I haven't seen. I haven't seen. Uh, I, I've seen a couple of mock drafts. Most of them have the Rams picking um, either whatever would be like you know your best player available type that's not a quarterback or uh, trading out. I get a little frustrated with the mock drafts where they actually try to predict the trades too. It's like okay, now you're There's no now you're getting, way you're getting, into, uh, you're getting into the Joe Lenardi territory here with the <laughs> the bracketology and all. It's like eh, let's just stick to. You know, there's no way you have any idea who's going to trade what pick to who for what package. Yeah. That, those, I know most of those calls don't even take place until the day that. of the draft. Yeah, I know who the first pick will be, and after that, all bets are off because there's no way they hired Urban Meyer in Jacksonville to draft anybody other than Trevor Lawrence. But Justin Fields is Ohio State. That, that's that's his guy, right? They they gotta uh, they gotta make that man. move, right? Uh, <laughs> Texans would do that. <laughs> Because they the have no Aren't that stupid, are they? Uh, they're the Jaguars. They're, they're the Jags for a reason. So we'll see. <laughs> you try to uh, say only the Jags. Only the Jags. Uh, I don't know if there's anything at all that struck you about that Washington-Tampa game uh, we didn't I, talk about. Yeah, what struck me was how much Tampa let Washington hang around. Yeah, because of that Taylor Heineke guy who probably played himself into at least a backup job next year, right? Sure, if not more. You, you talk about stupid teams. Somebody might think that he's the, he's the guy and, and give him you a, you know. Chico, a, a, do you think, do you think Chico, Chico's <laughs> dumb enough to roll in the next year with him? Uh, he likes them, obviously. He brought him from Carolina. Alex Smith's got to retire, right? Alex Smith can ride off into the sunset now, right? Uh, for his sake, I hope he does. And... Dwayne Haskins got cone stole stone stone cold cut. Yeah. I don't know what cone stole is, <laughs> but I know what stone cold is. Um, so he just got straight up cut. That's it. There's nothing left. So it's basically, you know, maybe you 
do you draft a quarterback? But they're not drafting high enough that they would draft somebody who's going to, you know, that I would imagine that they would draft and throw right in. Um, so do you, do you throw this kid a bone to start the season? Did he show you enough? I, I was impressed. He definitely he definitely wins the, uh, the the John Gruden leads the league in guts award. Yeah, me cousin. And when <laughs> and when he came back bastard. after getting hurt, even and, and he still kept balling even after he got hurt. Like you could see he was hurt. And and still managed to to keep his yeah. keep in and then keep making plays. Yeah. So and. and to do that against Brady and the Bucks and the, the Goat, I mean, I give the – I almost said it. I'm not – I almost <laughs> give them credit. I give Washington credit. Uh, they hung around. We said that team, they, they would be the team that would give somebody the, 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 the most fits in that game. And, and maybe if Alex Smith was at 100%, um, they, they, could, they could pull it off. You know, would, would you have that veteran in there, you know, because you really felt like Washington was just going to run out of gas and run out of gas. And they eventually did. But, but not uh, as, as uh, but not by losing the, this point spread. They held right no, they in there at eight. It. Yeah, they, they pushed on it. Push. So so good for that. I mean, yeah, I took more away from, from Washington than I did from, from Tampa. Uh, you got to give Brady some credit to uh, the Washington defense coming at him and, and – uh, young yelling at him and saying he wants some of Brady and got the cold weather and, and Tom goes for uh, 381. Uh, I, I guess yeah. he didn't struggle in the cold. So uh, Tampa did show me something despite not being able to, to cover that. After number, all those but... years in New England, I wasn't worried about Brady playing in, in Washington. I was bringing it up because so many people were saying maybe this was why Brady's arm kept looking like a noodle all these years that he had these good regular seasons, get to the playoffs and look like, oh, oh he's, he's cooked. He's washed. I mean, if they manage to win and let's say the Packers hold serve and then they got to go to Lambeau and if it's like 15 up there, <laughs> maybe That's, we'll see. Yeah, that would probably be a problem. I wasn't putting too much into the weather aspect after. I mean, we watched that that that, that after 59 to nothing up in the snow and in the blizzard, I'm not going <laughs> to say nothing about Brady playing in, in the cold up in Boston. All right, four games for the uh, divisional round conference semifinal weekend starting tomorrow, uh, and and over 50 minutes for us to do four games, and guarantee we'll run out of time before we get to the end of them. Uh, right, whatever the last game is, Tampa Orleans, we will cram into 90 seconds. Correct. Uh, but 120 seconds from now, we will start those picks in two minutes, so hang right there. You are listening live to In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Not on the radio, but only here on the website, blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. To be notified when we're live, you can follow the show on the Blog Talk Radio website, or you can follow my Twitter feed at IMLDDre when I tweet out when we're live before every show. Jason is on Twitter, too. His feed is at IMLDJTG. Our show is available as a podcast where you get the live show and a special VIP after show. To listen to the show as a podcast about an hour or so after the live show is over, come back to the show page and look through our archives or subscribe on iTunes or any number of different podcasting apps, including Player.fm, Mixcloud, Blueberry, and the TuneIn Radio app. 
you'll get the whole show, the live show and the after show, downloaded straight to you. You can always send us a question or comment or shout out via email to the following email address, inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. You can follow all of our picks on our blog. The website for the blog is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. Our Thursday night picks will be available Thursday afternoon on our Twitter feeds. Again, that's at IMLDDre and at IMLDJTG. This copyrighted broadcast is a production of Jay and Me and is solely performed for our entertainment as well as for any poor soul who happens to be listening. It is intended to be a football pick show for the private non-commercial use of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, retransmission, or any other use of the descriptions and accounts of this podcast without the express written consent of Jay or me is strictly prohibited. Okay, playoff point system breakdown after the six games of Wild Card Weekend where I took four points and Jay put up a goose egg. That puts me at 104.6 points, Jason at 98.8. So that puts him less than six points behind me. And that's not a lot of points to make up at all, considering these four games tomorrow count for tomorrow and Sunday count for three points each. So depending on what our picks look like, uh, Jason can very easily make up all the points and vault into the lead, uh, or he could fall way, way behind. Um, it's, I'm going to ask the question just out of a, a, of a formality, but I know the answer already. Um, you don't want me to make all the, the picks first and, and try to play off of that. It's, it's too early for you to chase points. I, I completely assume. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Okay. I'm not there. Yet. Even if we agreed on all of them, you know, there's still enough points after this week, you know, where it would force me to disagree with you on a game next week. Um, right. but there's not points at, at risk here that I have to worry. Like I'm not in desperation mode. I'm still making my picks this week. Gotcha. And speaking right, about we... the disclaimer that you put on the show about the, you know, people, you know, stealing our bits. Uh, yeah. You text, you, you said it at me at Twitter this week. Someone stole my food network bit. <laughs> he did. Uh, there was someone of, of prominence. Uh, uh, I think it was uh, Joe Sheehan, the, the, the yeah. baseball writer. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, he had a good line off it too. I, I can't remember exactly what it was. It was like uh, uh, yeah, drivers, diners, and drives, drivers and dives. Yeah, for, for the baseball gonna, version of it. But after this was after last week on the show that I was like, well, Nickelodeon's gonna. Well, why don't we just have Food Network do it? And they could have <laughs> Guy Fieri call. Oh boy, <laughs> it was all over it. It's all right. All the best ideas get stolen eventually, right? It's true. All right, so on to our picks for the divisional round. Uh, I call it the conference semifinals. Uh, four games. Uh, there's something, I think, for all of these games, just like I thought there was something to look for in all the games last weekend. I I, I haven't seen any boring matchups yet this, uh, this playoff season, and the, the four games this weekend are, are no different. Uh, so I mean, I'm excited Saints for Saints Bears game. Uh, really? Well, I you should have had more intrigue in that. You actually had the Bears to cover. I thought it was going to be a blowout. But I even did. In they, that, they actually come around for a lot yeah. of that game. So, so that was what was maddeningly frustrating for me. 
Yeah, even in that, I thought it was something to look for to see Drew Brees come back with his entire group of guys around him for the first time in a long time and, and see if they could put it together and, and get started on the right foot, which eventually they did. But for the first half, eh, it didn't look so hot. Bit of an incomplete for me on the Saints. Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely not a, a full effort. I, I agree with that. All right, we talked about Aaron Rodgers starting off the uh, festivities in the early slot. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams and the Green Bay Packers get the divisional round kicked off tomorrow in the uh, afternoon, uh, 3.30 Central Time. Uh, L.A., uh, with a one quarterback with a busted-up thumb and, and the other one uh, with a jammed-up neck and a stinger, and he's completely uh, inactivated. Uh, he's not going to play at all, John Wolfer. So this is all Jared Goff now. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Um, and, of course, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers looking forward to hosting playoff action, having that bye and, and having the number one seed in the NFC. 13-3 and three on the year, 7-1 and one at home. Rams 11 and now uh, 11 and 6 and 5-4 and four on the road with the uh, victory last week in Seattle. Uh, so, yeah, golf uh, playing through the thumb. Aaron Donald is going to be playing through torn rib cartilage which sounds oh, about as painful as what Jared Goff's thumb looked like after he bent it all out of shape. So there's some uh, major injuries going on there. And then Cooper Cup has mere bursitis in his knee. That's nothing. That's that's He can play through that easily after you got the, the torn cartilage and the busted up thumb. Uh, so with that, the Rams are, of course, underdogs in this one. Uh, it's L.A. plus six and a half at Green Bay. After last week, I, you know, if your best play might just be to keep disagreeing with me because oh five and one that might be, I don't know if I've ever done. You know, obviously, we've never had six games in Wild Card Weekend before, so you know we've had some stinkers, we've had some one and threes, and I'm sure we've had some zero and fours. But yeah, that oh five and one hurts. So your best play this week is to just disagree with me on every game. So I'm trying to bait you right now. Um, I, I looked at this line, and usually the division round isn't one where I put a lot like once the matchups are set I know it's like this is where I'm going it's probably the most quick I am to pick games um, every year Uh, there was one game that I really bounced back and forth on but this is one of the weekends where I actually uh, do what you do I pick the scores and that sort of dictated my pick so I was like okay so that that sort of solved that problem for me as far as who I was going to pick this one wasn't hard Uh, six and a half feels like a gift I'm going to give all the points. I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I understand that the Rams have that number one defense, and they really gutted out a nice win, but that's against a team. I want to say that they're very, they're very comfortable beating around the Seahawks. Um, you know, Russell Wilson, uh, he takes sacks and clips worse than I think even Aaron Rodgers does. Russell, Russell Wilson, I believe, was the most sacked quarterback in the league this year. Um, they don't really compliment well. They tried to run the football a little more. Um, this Green Bay offense is completely different. There's balance. Uh, that's what Matt LaFleur has brought to this offense. They have a stable of running backs, so they can get you with speed. They can get you catching the ball out of the backfield, or they can bring in A.J. Dillon and bring in kind of that hammer back uh, now that he's healthy and back off of COVID. And they don't have the greatest wide receivers, but it seems like all you need is Devontae Adams to catch 14 balls. And, you know, and then you can get the the deep ball here or there. You can drop in the big touchdown to, to Valdez Scantling, or you can go to the tight end. So, and it's Aaron Rodgers. This, this, is, this is totally different than what 
they saw last week. They're going to Lambeau. It's going to be cold. Um, I, I don't have a lot of faith in Jared Goff against this defense. This is a not. This isn't the Legion of Room defense. Um, this is still a top ten in the league defense. It's a top ten uh, pass defense. They have been susceptible to the run, but this is still a top half of the league run defense. So this is a much better opponent than they faced last week. Um, Aaron Rodgers. They they fought for the home field. They're going to fight to keep the home field. I've got the Packers winning this one, uh, thirty to sixteen. Well, how MVP is Aaron Rodgers? They're talking him up, and they're saying he's going to be the man after the uh, revolving door of, of candidates. As the season went on, it seems like Rodgers is the one who emerged on top and, and came out the door uh, as the leader. Uh, well, here's the best D in the league, as you just uh, pointed out. And let's find out. Let's find out how much of an MVP he is if the uh, Rams uh, and their cornerbacks, William, Darius Williams and, and Jalen Ramsey, uh, find a way to take out those speed threats on the outside, and you got to play in in between in the middle and, and try to figure out how to uh, navigate that defense from from inside out, so to speak. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how, how good Aaron really is. Uh, Sean McVay has to scheme uh, Jared Goff past the ball hog Green Bay secondary on the other side of the ball. Uh, probably a lot of short patterns, probably uh, – trying to stay away from the perimeter. You don't want to test. Uh, obviously, some of those throws Jared Goff is in, you don't, want to, you don't want to stress him. You don't want to stress him in that thumb too much, clearly. Uh, can Brandon Staley scheme up the D to hold down Devontae Adams and, and, and slow down the other targets in, in zone defense, uh, maybe some single high looks? Uh, you know what? There's a, another defense out there that, that looks a little similar to the Rams that had a chance to do that to Green Bay, and that would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week six. We see what they did to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers uh, gave up the first 10 of the game to Green Bay. And then the, uh, the pick six, Jamel Dean, the interception, and it was all to the races. Green Bay didn't score another point that whole game. Uh, so defense, uh, as we talked about a little last week, you want to put a little more emphasis on defense, a little more in the playoffs, because that seems to be what plays. And boy, we found that out uh, last week and Seattle found that out as well. Uh, Green Bay's, Sack allowed percentage this season, 3.8. Very good. Excellent. That's all pretty much exclusively before the David Bakhtiari injury. And I've this is not new. Uh, if you've been listening to the show, I've been preaching this and I've been saying this. O-lines are, are finicky. Green Bay's O-lines usually, are, are, usually have some problems protecting Aaron Rodgers, usually there's, there's some issue there. Uh, they've gotten much better in the last several years, but the chemistry has to be just right. It has to be there, uh, and you're going to start moving guys around to, to cover for back to you. You're going to bring in new guys. You're going to put some guys out of position, uh, in position that they haven't been playing, and then you're going to bring in Aaron Donald and, and Morgan Fox and that uh, L.A. Rams defense full of guys that you've never heard of that just like to jump up and down on your quarterback. This, to me, is called bad matchup. I do not like the matchup for Green Bay against the L.A. Rams. Uh, should be uh, pointed out that the, the Packers actually had to sign Jared Bell here uh, as, a, as a street tackle. Uh, and this is after he already played uh, in yeah. the playoff game last week for the Colts. Uh, and that's a weird situation, but uh, because of the fact that he was on the uh, the taxi squad, and not the actual active roster, he was able to be poached 
by the Packers. So that makes him the if he does ever get into a game, he's he's not going to play this week, I don't believe. But uh, he would potentially be the first man to ever play uh, the, in the playoffs for uh, for two different teams in the same playoff. Uh, but that just shows you the what what the Packers are up against, the situation that they're in. They're they're getting desperate. They're looking for street guys. They're looking for any help they can find before it gets uh, to where they're just completely screwed. And, and and Aaron Rodgers is getting ran around. But this is the very first playoff game, so it's. I think it's going to be trouble for them. I, I think they're going to be uh, under siege right from the get-go. L.A. Uh, ranked near the top in sacks in the top of the league, but near the bottom actually in pressure percentage and, and hurry percentage. And that means that either they, they put you on your ass or they, they don't get home. They really don't mess around with trying to blitz and send extra people and, and try to, to ramp up the pressure. Either Aaron, Aaron Donald and his guys get there and put you down or they don't get there. And, I actually think that's dangerous to let Aaron Rodgers feel like he's not getting rushed very much. He, he might get that pressure. Uh, like I said, I think he's going to have some problems because of the offensive line, maybe not being exactly where they're supposed to be. But it might not be something where it's all game long, just every snap he's under pressure. Um, he doesn't need too many snaps to, to find a rhythm. Uh, so if you don't get there all the time, he's still going to find a way uh, to, to get a rhythm going. And also the Packers have an established ground game. I think that'll be the difference. They'll obviously be able to outrush the Rams, even though Cam Akers had a, a great get, great day last week. I don't think he's going to be uh, repeating quite that kind of effort. Um, the LA uh, scheme and, and the pressure will keep it close. Uh, I think Rodgers is the difference knowing when to check to the run and when to go for it. I think that's the difference in the game. I cannot see the Packers <clears throat> losing the game. I will take the Rams uh, and the points. Uh, I'm going to call that Green Bay uh, 20 and LA 16. Wow, and that that's actually that that is calling a number for the Packers that's way below their season average. So you got you right. really like that Rams defense to just clamp them down. Yeah, um, it's it's going to be I fun. Feel- I, I like seeing those cornerbacks against Devontae Adams. Yeah, I think it's going to be real fun. Here's how here's what makes me fear the most for the Rams defense. The Rams offense makes me fear the most <laughs> for the Rams defense. And it really does because you can see these top tier defenses get worn out by sort of the ineptitude of their offense. And in the, in the long run, that just, they just can't make plays enough all game long. And I don't see Jared Goff. This is a much, uh, I mean, Seattle, yes, their defense has played better. This Packers secondary is much better than the Seattle secondary. I, I, so I don't see Jared Goff making a lot of big plays against that secondary, against Amos and Jair Alexander and King and Savage. I, so I don't see them making many gains across the back end of the defense. I don't see them making a huge, like having that same type of running effort that they had. So I think that the Packers offense is just going to have more chances because I think the Rams are going to kind of get, get held down. So I, I find it hard to believe. Now, again, disagreeing with me is probably the right play um, and taking, taking those points, but six and a half boy. I mean, that, that you, you know, you talk, even if this is, I hate to say it, but 24, 17, you know, that that's a loss. That's a L. So I'll take the set. I'll, I'll take seven as a, as a positive, as far as all I need is a win by seven uh, to cover over the Rams. I just don't think the Rams can score. Uh, with the Packers, that that Packers 
Bucks game is. I, I don't know if that's a good analogy because I think we called that. That's one of those snowball games that we've talked about and went right. And that's what it would take, I think, for the Rams to just straight up win. Like the like everything will have to go bad for the Packers tomorrow for the Rams to win this game. Like everything. But what was your score again? Was it 30 to 16? No. So I've got we that got, as a two-touchdown game. We both had the Rams only getting the 16. I don't think either one of us see the Rams doing much on offense. So we, we had the exact right. same number for, for L.A. That's like, I mean, so the Rams not being able to score – uh, I, I think the Packers can score 30 on most teams in their sleep, you know? I mean, the last the, the week before, they played a, a pretty game Bears defense and still put up 35. This ain't the Bears. I'm saying the Bears defense was still good. I understand. This ain't the Bears. I get it. This is the dumb, And I'm sure they'll be jacked up. I'm sure they'll be fired up. I, I, I'm... Um, you know, I think the worst thing for the Packers tomorrow would be to to you know lose the toss and then have that have the Rams defer. Um, I don't want to go out there first against right. Aaron Donald in that defense. I want the Rams to have the ball first, go three and out, and then let Aaron Rodgers go to work. So who's your uh, who's your X factor in this one? My X factor is Packers tight end Robert Tunyon. Uh, who went off in his rookie year for two catches for 586 yards and 11 touchdowns, and he has got to get open in the middle of the field uh, to be an option if Devontae Adams is indeed tied up by uh, Darius Williams and or uh, Jalen Ramsey. I'm just sitting here because that's my X factor. <laughs> I well, there you go. <laughs> I had all the stats ready to go, and you did it all. So thank you <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> but we're, we're opposite on the on the pick, so we got that going for us. So. Yeah, I, honestly, I thought you you know the way you started off on your pick, I thought you were going Rams, and then you kind of like, well, you know, I, I'll take this one. I, if I can get this one, I'll take it. Um, I, I I just don't think the Rams can score enough to keep up. I, I kind of wanted to go Rams for the win. I, I can't do it. I can't take Jared Goff and his thumb over Aaron Rodgers. Exactly why the Rams cannot win this game. And this has to do with the other game because I don't want to see, let's say by some, that something happens and the Bucks beat the Saints, right? right? I don't want to see another, like what would be Super Bowl run for Tom Brady where he plays. <laughs> no, no. He plays literally nobody quarterbacks all the way to the Super Bowl. Because that's the way it's always lined up for him. If he's going to the Super Bowl, I want him to have to beat uh, Breeze and Rodgers and, and somebody, you know, and somebody who's going to be really good on the AFC side. He needs to run the gauntlet because how many years has he had to play, you know, Blake Bortles, you oh. know, or Brock Osweiler? And he's had to play those guys to get to Super Bowls. No, no. If this is going to be the the chosen one, and this is going to be the goat, he's going. He's running the gauntlet. So no, don't. I don't want the Rams anywhere near the NFC Championship game. Going to have to earn it. That's right, the old-fashioned way. I certainly understand that. But uh, that perspective, yeah, I just I, I couldn't I couldn't pull the trigger. I wanted to, but I'm taking the points. 
on Saturday night, uh, again, I'm hoping this is going to be a real good one. I'm, I'm kind of fearful because usually when we set it up like this, it, it disappoints us. Uh, but here we go. It's the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills. It's Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and two of the absolute uh, best young guns at quarterback in the league going head to head. It should be fun. Hopefully it will be fun. Uh, the Ravens are now 12 and five after their win last week. They're seven and two on the road. They came into Tennessee six and two. So uh, again, maybe not so stupid to make them uh, the favors as the public did. And the public was completely right. Can't take that away from them. Uh, tough test going into Buffalo 14 and three with the win last week. Now eight and one on the, uh, on the, on the home schedule uh, after the win over the Indianapolis Colts uh, injury wise, for Baltimore, Mike uh, Marcus Peters, I'm sorry, is uh, the cornerback. He's got a bad back. Um, I think he's going to give it a go, but that's uh, trouble because he's probably going to be the one matched up on Stephon Diggs, and you don't want to have a bad back trying to hang with Stephon Diggs one-on-one. Uh, we talked a little bit about Zach Moss. He busted his ankle against the uh, Colts, and he is out for the rest of the season, so the running back core for uh, Buffalo appears to be uh, Devin Singletary and TJ Yeldon and, and some guys, and that's probably not a good thing. So you, depending on your stomach for watching quarterbacks run, you, you might see both of these guys lead the uh, lead both of their teams in run yardage. Um, so I will indeed uh, take this one first. Baltimore is plus two and a half in this game. They're not favored again. That's almost – uh, a shocker. You go from a big three, three and a half point favorites in Tennessee to two and a half point underdogs in Buffalo. Does, does the budding public really think the Bills are like a touchdown better than the Titans? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they know something we don't. I'm, I'm not sure. But again, they won last week, so can't really argue with them this time around. Um, yeah, so here's two of the uh, the, the hottest teams to end the regular season, two of the hottest quarterbacks. Uh, again, the matchup should be really, really good. Uh, the Buffalo Bills defense, uh, specifically the pass defense, trended very well the second half of the season, so they should provide a problem for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, whose passing offense has definitely been spotty all season. Uh, but the Bills will need a Herculean effort uh, in run defense because they're not very good at it. And the uh, Ravens are number one in the league and running by a, a pretty big margin. Uh, they just, there seems to be no way to stop them from running uh, no matter how they want to go about it, whether it's with the quarterback or with their running backs, uh, both team, both teams, the Ravens and the bills gave up 4.6 yards per carry this year. So it's not like, uh, the Buffalo run defense is just terrible, and the, and the Baltimore one is, is fine. But it's, again, the fact that Buffalo has to now face Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins and, and all the running backs for, for the uh, Ravens. And what's going, coming, coming back the other way, the Bills running backs against Baltimore, um, that's a bad matchup. Again, you're, you're hearing a theme here, bad matchup. Uh, Bills run D versus uh, Baltimore run offense. Just not a good matchup at all. Um, I didn't see Lamar start off very well against Tennessee. I saw some more of those bad throws, some more of those bad decisions. Some of the, uh, he, he's, he's not a very good quarterback, but boy, he, he turned it on uh, in, the, in the second half, in the second part of that game. Um, 
if he's misfiring against Buffalo early, the Bills offense can take immediate advantage, uh, unlike the, the Titans who are able to put up 10, and that's pretty much all they could muster uh, the entire day, another three after that. Uh, it's exciting that one of these two young guns is going to make a conference title game appearance. Again, I hope the game is worthy of the hype, and I hope that whoever wins out is actually the one that plays much better. It's not just waiting for the other one to make a mistake. Um, I think coaching should be uh, the difference. Um, I'm I'm not going to take Sean McDermott to beat John Harbaugh. And I think Baltimore blitzing project and sending him back into the project days and making him look bad. uh, I, I can see that happening. The, the Steelers tried to outblitz the Ravens this year, but in the end, they couldn't do it. The Baltimore defense blitzed 44.1% of the time. They blitzed more often, uh, and they blitzed more times than anyone else in football yet again. And and I think uh, I can see Josh Allen, uh, he threatened to turn back in the project against the Colts with some of those decisions that he was making. And I think he'll make the, the turn all the way and, and do so against Baltimore. I'm taking the Ravens to win the game straight up 27-17. to 17. Wow. Okay. So, uh, well, we are going to concur on this pick. So we both have the Ravens on this one. Um, I'll preface that. We learned our lesson. I'll preface that, though, by giving you what I had for the final of this game, which was Bills 28, Ravens 27. So (laughs) I actually got cute on this pick. You got real cute. I have the Bills to win. Uh, in, in what I expect to kind of be a back and forth, we always talk about style clash. Remember, we have style clash weekend. Um, mm-hmm. Every once in a while, this is the style clash to me. I think you, you talked about the Ravens with the Blitz. I think that will hurt them just as much as it's going to help them because Josh Allen uh, was one of the best quarterbacks against pressure all season long. I believe he had 19 touchdown passes specifically just against the blitz this year. So he's not afraid to stand in there and that bills offensive line. I've been raving about this bills offensive line for quite a few weeks now. This is the test, right? Let's see how this bills O line holds up um, against the pressure that we know that this is just their identity. This is who they are. We know that we, we Martindale is not going to dial it back. He doesn't care who they're playing. They're coming after Josh Allen. It's only going to end up three ways, right? He burns them with his arm, he burns them with his legs, or they get to him. And I think it's going to kind of come out all in the wash. I think that it'll be a combo. They'll get to him a few times, but I think he's going to make them pay for their aggressive tendencies a few times, and that's going to open up some big passing plays for them. So uh, in in an ultimate get-cute pick here, I guess I I find myself concurring with you only because I I picked the score on this one, and I come up with the Bills as a one-point winner. Uh, so if that happens, would that be like all time if that ends up happening, if the bills win this one by one, um, but I, I I can, any more than that. I could, I can definitely see the Ravens being uh, a being game idea. The ground game, I think is going to keep them in it. I think it's going to keep the bills off the field, but I think the, the bills with that, uh, that sort of that quick strike capability is going to all, that's also what got them back against Indy. You know, in Indy, who dominated the first half of that game and, and, and looked like they were the best team on the field and put up all the yards, it, it's all of a sudden you got Stephon Diggs up, oh, 40-yard touchdown. And it's just like, oh, well, what happened? You know, and it's just like, it can happen quick. Uh, and if Marcus hey, Peters is what been, happened? Marcus Peters is banged up, you got to have a lot of guys out there in coverage because you got to go get Cole Beasley, you got to go get John Brown. 
uh, you got to go get Stephon Diggs. And if Josh Allen gets any bit of that protection uh, that I've, uh, you know, kind of lauded them for all year, then I, I think the Bills can, can pull out a tough one. But like you said, whoever comes out of this one um, deserves to be in the AFC Championship. This is this is the best game of the weekend by far. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think if uh, Project had to face the type of blitz that the Steelers and the Ravens bring, he, he did well against the blitz all year, that's fine, but he didn't play any team that was blitzing half the time uh, he didn't see this kind of pressure, so I think this is a, another level for him. It's just another test, right, for both of these guys. They both got their first playoff win last week. That's true. And one of them is about to get their second. Uh, again, all I can say is I, I hope the game is worthy of the hype. I really do. Yeah, we, we, I'm, I'm excited for this one. So who's your X factor for this one? Uh, I'm actually going with Bill's linebacker, Matt Milano. Um, he's probably their fastest, um, linebacker. I have a feeling he's going to end up being the Lamar Jackson spy. Um, and that's, that's, that's a tall task. Um, he's also good in coverage. So if they're going to try to cover, you know, and Lamar Jackson, we talk about this with the running quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson has a tendency, he throws a lot of balls over the middle. So he puts a lot of pressure with the tight ends and he puts a lot of pressure on the linebackers, but I'll, I'm going to watch on uh, Matt Milano to see if he can contain any of that, uh, Lamar Jackson running attack. Yeah, that, that's my X Factor too. <laughs> now that's a Don't first. We've had the same X Factor before, but never two in a row like that. <laughs> same reason? Fourth year uh, tackle machine for the Bills. He missed some time with a peck this year. He's got to make some tackles for loss in the backfield. Uh, he's he's their, uh, their best hope that they're going to slow down the, the Ravens run game. We don't prepare for this. <laughs> no, no, uh, no, no coming to, uh, coming together of the minds or anything like that. Individually, we both completely came up with eight. Can we make it four for four? Let's see if we can have the same As soon as it went silent, I was like, oh, shit, that's his too. <laughs> All right, let's see if we have the same thing for Cleveland and Kansas City. You know, we don't go for the most obvious people. No, we're trying to really actually see who's going to make a a, a secret X-Factor surprise difference in the game. And then we both came up with the exact same one for the first two games. That's that's crazy. (laughs) All right, moving on to the Browns and the Chiefs. Of course, the biggest spread of the weekend, the lucky-to-be-here 12-5 Cleveland Browns. But, hey, you can't ever take that win last week away from them. No one will ever, as long as they live, be able to take away the fact that the Browns knocked the Steelers out of the playoffs in the first round and were up 28 to nothing on the vaunted Pittsburgh Steelers. So congratulations to them. Uh, so they move on. They are now 12 and five with that win and six and three on the road. They get to take on the world champion Kansas city chiefs for all of that. Uh, 14 and two on the season, six and two at home, number one seed in the AFC. Uh, Browns get some reinforcement. They get the cornerback Denzel Ward and left guard Joel Betonio uh, back from the goop. And for the Chiefs, of course, their coach, uh, Kevin Stefanski, uh, returns as well. Don't forget that for Cleveland. Uh, for Kansas City, uh, Sammy Watkins has been battling a calf injury all year. He's not going to play. Uh, but uh, the rookie running back, Carl uh, Edwards-Hilaire, 
uh, with his hip injury, uh, looks to return Clyde Edwards Hilaire is his name, of course, not Carl. Uh, Cleveland, big uh, spread on the board this week, uh, plus 10.5 at Kansas City. That's a big number. Um, I, I feel like, you know, maybe I'm value hunting here, but there's something, I don't know. We've been talking about this with the Chiefs. They've been bad. They've been a bad cover team. You know, can they turn it on? Can they turn it off when they get to the playoffs? I, I find myself value hunting by taking the Browns on this one. I can see the Browns coming out fast. A lot of teams come out fast against the Chiefs. But I'm watching. This isn't a, this isn't your typical number one seed coming out for division weekend. I mean, the Chiefs haven't really played meaningful football in oh about a month now. Uh, you know, the last time we saw uh, Patrick Mahomes play in a game that was actually still playing for something when they were clamping down that number one seed, uh, they were barely putting down Atlanta at home in, in, in a game that they kind of needed to lock down for that home field so they could all take the next week off. And that wasn't even an impressive matchup. So I, I'm hoping, you know, just for the, the stability of the league, I mean, we, we – uh, we love. I love to watch the Chiefs because you know they they can be electric and, and and fun, and they're so dynamic. And Andy Reid is always cooking up stuff, but something just looks a little like off with the Chiefs. And I I find this matchup compelling because you got the Browns, like you said, happy to be there. Sometimes happy to be there can be pretty dangerous. You know they're they're the team that's playing with house money. They shouldn't have done what they did last week. I mean, obviously, I don't think the the nap is going to fly over Patrick Mahomes' head, and that Patrick Mahomes is going to throw four interceptions, and and his coach, you know, Andy Reid's just going to completely crap the bed on his coaching decisions. But I can see some rust. Uh, you know, you're basically talking about it like again, a team that really hasn't played for anything in a while. They had the bye, they benched just about everybody against the Chargers, and they sleepwalked through those last few games of the season. So, I think Cleveland's got to ugly up we talk about uglying up games cleveland's got to rely on that running game the chiefs have always had a bad run defense um i I couldn't remember when was the last time the chiefs had a good run d it's been a while you know nick chubb kareem hunt they should be able to to try to establish a run if as long as this game doesn't get away from them early i do think that cleveland's going to be able to try to run the football kansas city's defense isn't that great in, in the back end either. I mean, they've let teams keep up with them, like the Chargers and the Raiders and, you know, and Tampa coming back. So you can put points up on this Chiefs team. I think at the end of the game, I still think it's going to be a Chiefs win. But I think they're going to struggle, especially in the first half, and uh, probably have to come back to win this game. I've got the, uh, I've got the Chiefs win in this one, 37-31. to Woo! Big over in that one. Uh, so this is what you've been talking about as far as the, the Chiefs go, and you and, and other pundits as well talking about, hey, are they just bored? Are they just waiting for the playoffs? Is, is this the uh, the basketball team that dominates the regular season and kind of waits uh, for the playoffs to begin? Is this the old Chicago Bulls? Should I be doing my, my Ray Clay, which I, I might blow out my voice, but I'll, I'll give it a try anyway. And now. The starting lineup for your world champion, Kansas City Chiefs. I meant to pull up the uh, eye in the sky uh, sound effect, but I didn't do that. Uh, but, yeah, this is uh, this is their chance to turn it on and, and show that they can turn it on and turn it off. And I'll be very interested to see if they really can do that. Uh, 
Cleveland playing the uh, the Terry Cummings Milwaukee Bucks role of of the old uh, Chicago Bulls, the the first round fodder, the 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 <laughs> cat playing with its food before he puts it away. Um, and I'll, I'll be very very interested to see if the Chiefs really are that good, if they really can do that. There has to be a healthy fear that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy will draw up some nightmare plays and blow away everybody in the playoffs, not just the Browns, uh, based solely on how creative and nightmarish they were week three Monday night uh, in Baltimore when they had the uh, the Ravens in and, and or they went to the Ravens and it was thought that, hey, maybe this is a potential future uh, top of the AFC in the playoffs type matchup, that this might be a game that determines home field throughout the playoffs. And they clearly, if you watch that game, clearly, clearly came out with creative plays. They came out with more creative than usual plays. They came out with trick plays. They had different pitchbacks and angles and uh, stuff you, you really didn't see from them on a, on a regular basis. Uh, and then they sort of put that away and didn't really pull out too many other games like that the rest of the year, sort of sleepwalked through the rest of the season. Again, maybe they were bored. Maybe they're saving this for, for when they think they need it. I don't know. But we know they can. We know uh, Andy Reid can get as creative as anybody uh, when he's motivated when he wants to. Uh, Denzel Ward returning to attempt uh, to rein in Tyree Kill and company. Uh, that's big for the Browns. They definitely need all hands on deck. Uh, he's their best uh, cornerback. They definitely need him. Who's covering Travis Kelsey while he's doing that? Who's going to rein in all these weapons that the Chiefs run around out there? They can. Nobody has more speed than them. Nobody uh, has more scheme than them. Nobody has more creative plays than them. Uh, and, oh, by the way, they have Travis Kelsey, who's like the best uh, receiving tight end in football. Uh, so that's just an example of how tough they are. Everybody knows that. Uh, but, yeah, getting back to what I've been harping on on the Chiefs uh, defensively and what you already brought up, Kansas City and their biggest team weakness to me, which is their defense, their run defense, their their missed tackles. Uh, it's unbelievable. If you watch a Chiefs game, how many tackles they miss. 120 missed tackles this season. That's ranked bottom third of the league. Um, they've always ranked down there in missed tackles. It feels like they always have a problem with that. And they're getting to take on the Cleveland Browns and their number three ranked run game. Once again, kids, say it with me. Bad matchup. Matchup problem. Uh, I, I heard an interesting stat on the PFF podcast. They said that the Browns actually had the lowest completion percentage allowed on passes 10 yards or uh, downfield or more. And I didn't think the Cleveland Browns pass defense is any kind of special shakes. They're only 22nd overall in the league, but obviously there's something uh, long passes downfield that they, they got something they can, they can defend. And uh, Denzel Ward's a big part of that. Uh, so not saying they're going to stop the Kansas city chiefs at all, uh, but just saying the Browns are in position to, to hang in there. It's a matchup issue. Uh, the Brown, the chiefs have not covered a point spread since before the fucking election, uh, week eight, 35 to nine win over the Jets as a 19 and a half point favorite. And we both remember that one. Yeah. Um, and haven't covered since. So uh, are they bored or do they, do they have a problem? They have a real issue here. I don't know. But again, I don't like the matchup. I'm just playing the matchup here with, uh, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't like the, uh, the Cleveland, uh, the Kansas city chiefs that covered 10 and a half on the Cleveland Browns. 
just like the Green Bay pick, I can't pick Cleveland to win the game. I just can't make myself pick Baker Mayfield over Pat Mahomes. That just seems stupid. I will take the points. I have Kansas City 31 to 27. Okay, so we both like this high scoring. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested by this matchup, but you know my my fear is that I, I get the whole turn it on, turn it off thing from week to week. We talk about like 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 with the, the NBA team, but the NBA team you know didn't spend the last you know you know what would in their schedule terms be like the last 14 games of the year benching their players. <laughs> and 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 the fact that we haven't really seen this team, you know, it, there's gonna be rust. It, it, it's going to be there, and all all it takes is a you know it's such it's a game of inches, and all it takes is a, a, a little mistiming on a throw and, and all or a ball that ends up in a DB's arms instead of your receiver's arms, uh, you know if AJ Terrell can catch, <laughs> uh, the Chiefs yeah. are struggling to, to win home field. Yeah, this is true. You no, know, I, I really think the Chiefs think they can they can turn it on and and do a Michael Jordan just blow out whoever's in front of them. And I want to see him. I want to see him do it. I'm not saying they can't, but I want to see it. I'm also worried that the the Chiefs are going to do the same thing that the the Steelers did and overlook the Browns. Sure. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, and, and it's the Cleveland Browns. It's they're, Cleveland they're there Browns. to be overlooked. Yeah, they're a joke. Yeah. You know. So we'll see. All right. Uh, who's your X factor here? It better not be. All right. Here we go. It will. It, we got to go four for four now. We, we started it. We got to finish it. My X factor is Cleveland Browns linebacker BJ Goodson, who had 59 solos, six pass defenses, and two INTs this year. And I think he's Cleveland's best hope of, of controlling, if anyone can control Travis Kelsey. I, I think Goodson is their, their best crack at it. Well, we don't have the same X factor. My uh, my X factor is the aforementioned Denzel Ward, uh, number four pick in the draft back in 2018. Time to earn it. Time to earn it, son. <laughs> Time to earn okay. it. Go out there. I know that's not always that. That's a little bit more of an obvious one. I mean, obviously it's not. You know, Nick Chubb's my X factor, but you know he's coming back. He's coming back off the COVID protocol. He's going to be immediately tapped with chasing around Tyree Hill and all these speedy receivers for the Chiefs. Got to make a play. You got to get your hands on one. Um, not just make plays. Not just knock balls down. You gotta. You gotta turn this team over, especially if you want to have a chance to win. Um, you know, knock a few down. That might just help us cover. But if the Cleveland Browns want to win, uh, Denzel Ward needs to have a big game for all these yeah. guys. The biggest game ever. Well, since last week, anyway. Yeah, that's huge. We broke the string. We didn't have the same X Factor. I'm disappointed. Oh, man, you have ten minutes left to pick the last game. Yeah, that's a lot for us. Uh, the last game is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints. It's the only game of the weekend that's familiar as far as the season goes because they have played before because they're in the same division, which means they played twice. Uh First, the injury report. Ronald Jones, the running back for the Buccaneers, game time decision with a quad injury. Looks like uh, Leonard Fournette will be the lead back once again for Tampa Bay. Uh, they get Devin White, their tackle machine linebacker, or one of their many tackle machines. Uh, they get him back from the goop. That's a big deal for Tampa. Uh, however, they lose their right guard. Uh, Alex Kappa is his name, yeah. Alex Kappa, uh, with an ankle injury. And that's a big deal because he didn't allow a sack all year. And you're going against the New Orleans Saints, uh, losing a guy that hadn't given up a sack 
all season long. So Tommy loses some protection for him, and that's a big deal to me as well. For the Saints, Taysom Tebow, your boy, has a knee injury, hasn't practiced all week. They might not have their gadget guy. They might not have Taysom Hill available on Sunday. I think that's uh, a blessing in disguise. And uh, the running back Latavius Murray hasn't practiced all week either with a quad injury, so it looks like they might be without him as well. Uh, Tampa now 12 and five and seven and two on the road after their win in Washington. New Orleans now 13 and four, seven and two at home after their win over Chicago. Uh, total cop outline of this one in the Battle of the Legends. Uh, Tommy is a three-point dog at Drew Brees and the Saints. And in this one, I'm looking at the uh, the other three matchups. Uh, bad matchup on paper, but took a lot of conjecture out of me to to project that, to look at the matchups on paper and declare my pick based on bad matchups on paper. Uh, neither of those teams played in the regular season. This one, this is a bad matchup that we've seen twice. We've seen uh, what happens when these two teams get together twice. In week one, Saints won uh, at home 34 to 23. I said, I'm not picking Tommy in the dome. And indeed he went to new Orleans week one and got beat. Uh, the Saints offense was at full strength, but wasn't really clicking, but the defense was they picked off Tom Brady twice, including a Janoris Jenkins pick six. Uh, they forced a fumble. They had five tackles for loss. Uh, the Saints beat Tommy in the dome, but it wasn't a shootout situation. And then in week nine in Tampa, outside the dome, where typically Drew Brees and the Saints struggle, they beat the hell out of Tampa 38 to three, in which it was actually 38 to nothing before a complete uh, gimme yeah. field goal that, that turned a shutout uh, into a, a 38 to three final. That, that really should have been a 38 nothing final, honestly. There's no reason to go for a field goal down 38 nothing except to uh, avoid being shut out. Uh, Drew Brees had four touchdown passes in that game. Brady had three INTs. Um, it, it did not look good. That offense uh, looked like it was struggling, uh, as Joe Namath would say, and they've turned it around since then. The, the Tampa offense looks uh, a lot better lately. Uh, and for as far as last week, for all the uh, concern about Washington being the team to maybe bust Tommy in the mouth and, and give them the, the toughest competition about, uh, uh, from any of those potential NFC East champions, uh, they, they didn't give uh, Tommy too much of a beating uh, at all. Uh, but New Orleans actually had a slightly better pressure rate in 2020 than Washington. They blitzed slightly less than Washington, so they were getting home uh, more naturally. Uh, Cam Jordan and his buddies like to play rough, too, just like uh, the Washington defense does. And each of these two games that the Saints played the Buccaneers this year, they sacked Tommy three times in each one of those games. Uh, so they like put Tommy on his butt as well, and they actually have experience in doing it. Uh, what can Tampa Bay do differently in these two matchups? Uh, what can they do on defense? That could, can they maybe press coverage more, uh, zone coverage, more pressure on Drew Brees? Uh, I, I feel like Tampa and their defense uh, probably is looking at Drew Brees and the Saints and probably not taking them too seriously because they they see what everyone else is seeing, the, the lack of arm strength and the lack of uh, explosiveness. Uh, but that, again, lends back to what I've been giving credit to Sean Payton and his coaching staff all year for coaxing the production out of New Orleans that he did with all of the injuries, all of the uh, 
craziness with the quarterback situation, uh, using a, a guy that clearly isn't a quarterback for four games uh, when Drew Brees got his ribs busted up. Uh, the Saints ended the season 4.6 yards per carry and 7.6 yards per throw. And think about how impressive that is. Did not have uh, Alvin Kamara the whole time. Uh, he had some goop issues. Did not have Drew Brees, like I said, for four games. Used Taysom Tebow as a quarterback and still averaged 7.6 yards per throw as an offense. That's like godlike to to be able to coax that kind of production out of the Saints offense and not having Michael Thomas for nine of those games at all. Like the best receiver, uh, one of the best receivers in, in football, not even on the field for more games than not this year. And they still had that kind of offense. And now the band's back together. Now you got Breeze in there. It seems like he's healthy. He played the whole game against Chicago, played well, relative, relatively well. Um, got much better as the game went on. Mike Thomas is back. Alvin Kamara's back. The, the game's back together. Uh, I don't see much of a reason to think this is going to go any different. Now, admittedly, the Tampa offense is more explosive now. So I think it's going to be a real good game. I'm not saying that the Saints are going to blow them out and beat them 38-3 to or anything like that again. I'm definitely not saying that. I think it's going to be a great battle against a, a really good Saints defense uh, back and forth. Um, but I just trust Tampa uh, or New Orleans. Oh, Freudian slip. I trust New Orleans more uh, uh, to get that third win. There is reason to think Tampa will step up and avenge uh, the, the the losses. So I, I, I understand if you want to hedge and, and – uh, not go all crazy uh, and betting this one. Uh, it, it should be close. Uh, it, it can be difficult to beat a team three times in a season, but it does happen. It happens more than the losing team getting its revenge. It, by the numbers, it actually happens more that the team that wins twice wins the third time in the postseason as opposed to losing uh, that third game. Um, at New Orleans, I think it's just a better team. I think they have a better coach, and I think New Orleans is going to win this game and cover the number. I got the same 33 to 26. Oh, we're really close. Uh, I also concur. I'll get my score pick in here real quick before we jump into the after show. I have uh, I have New Orleans winning this one 31 to 26. So a little yes. little kumbaya. That first pick, we're 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 in lockstep. Although I have the Bills winning and getting really cute. Um, really I think cute. the big loss I think is the is the Bucks losing their starting guard. And and like you said, the the Saints apply pressure without blitzing. And that's always been sort of like the bugaboo for Tom Brady. Like, that's the way you beat him. And that's when you talk about bad matchups, teams that can get pressure with four and then keep all those guys in coverage and and there's more bodies out there. This is why Tom Brady throws a lot of picks against the Saints, and this is why they can get home. And now you're missing your starting guard. Not that's not a good that's not a good recipe <laughs> if you're if you're Tampa Bay and you're Tommy and like you said you don't like Tommy in a shootout in the dome and yeah they, they they've looked impressive but they've this big offensive run they've been on even against Washington which is a really good defense this was the typical Tom Brady playoff formula they're playing a team with a great defense that has nobody a quarterback <laughs> Heineke hung in against Tom Brady and the Bucks. This isn't Taylor Heineke. This is Drew Brees, you know, Super Bowl winning head coach, Super Bowl winning quarterback, Hall of Famer. This isn't going to be the cakewalk. And even it wasn't even a cakewalk against Washington. Washington put up resistance. So I, I totally expect the Saints to win this game. I, I knew you would have the Saints all along in this one because this is your Super Bowl team. You're you're you still got yeah. both. Yeah. 
division course here with the Saints and the Ravens, where I only have the Ravens left. Um, but I, I, I do like the I, I don't like the matchups for Tampa in this game. I think that's you know, and I, Tampa seems like a team that's been dealing with so much prosperity lately and so much ease of rolling up teams offensively that I want to see how they react. You know to the adversity. Tommy t- Tommy <laughs> seems to get a little red ass at everything lately. If if something doesn't go his way, he just starts screaming at everybody was, "Oh, it's fire, it's passion." You know, he's a leader. No, it, it, it's a big <laughs> grading. You know, it, you know, he's also the same guy who didn't know what down it was against the Bears. Huh? What? Four? Four. What? Five? <laughs> Yeah, no, this isn't college. You mean I don't, you don't get, I don't get five don't downs because I'm Tommy? You don't get five downs like in college. Oh. You know, I, I definitely like the uh, I, I definitely like the Saints here. You know, I I, I think that, Ty, like you said, uh, Taysom Tebow not being there, I actually see that's a good thing. I think that, that, that gets Sean Payton away from his trying to out-genius himself. It also takes away that, that risk factor that Taysom Tebow goes out there and, and just turns the ball over. Oh, which, yeah. You know, he decides, oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to, you know, take a direct snap and try to run this thing up into to like the massive bodies that are all twice my size and get stripped, which happened a lot to Taysom Tebow this year. So hopefully Sean Payton doesn't have that and he just plays them straight up. Cause I think that, that, you know, I think Tampa's going to be game. I, I do think they're feeling it on their on offense, but I, I still think that that New Orleans just is the more. I think this is this is their division. This is their house. They're the more seasoned team. You know, they had that they had that win against the Bears. You know, maybe they got a little bit of that that snake bit taste out of their mouth about the way they've been losing playoff games the last few years. And uh, I, I, you know. Well, far, although this is Tommy going into New Orleans, so it'd be, be interesting to see if there's any ref shenanigans in this game. No, please don't 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 wish that on the game. Almost late, we might see some ref refing shenanigans to get Tommy into the oh. the championship game. Just saying, but, but it's but it's Drew Brees. You got the the Drew Brees retirement uh, on schedule. You got him going out as a winner. They got to get that narrative going. They, they, Get, you got you got to have one guy go in. You can't screw them both. Right. So so it's a good game, but I, I end up uh, I end up agreeing with you on this one and uh, and, and taking the Saints. Or are you possibly going to have the same X factor in this one? If, if we do, I would really scream. <laughs> Sorry, my wife was talking to me. I missed what you said there. I said, are we going to have the same X factor for this one? And if we do, oh, I'd really God. scream. Uh, because the Taysom Tebow uh, element isn't there, and Sean Payton can't help but out genius himself, I'm going with Ty Montgomery, the other gadget guy. Oh my guy. fucking god! Because <laughs> you know he's the he's the punt returner. You know if Taysom Tebow can't play, it, Sean Payton can't get out of his own way. He's got to have the gadget guy. Why? Don't tell me you have it too. 18 carries for a bucko one against Carolina in week 17, man. He's got lots of wide receiver experience. He can play different roles. He's a kick returner. He can do it all. Ty Montgomery, come on. Latavius Murray won't be there. (laughs) And if Taysom Tebow is not there, you're going to see that Ty Montgomery takes that spot, right? I cannot believe we had three of the exact same X-Factors. We we, we don't play (laughs) 
folks. I'm still, you know, yeah, after show now. But yeah, that's pretty. I've got it right here on my phone. The uh, reason I was going to scream if we had the same one is because I know you hate this guy. <laughs> I didn't. I don't hate Ty Montgomery. I hated the way that that Mike McCarthy used him. Where when he tried to use him as the running back, and you knew it was doomed to fail. Like your running back should not be number eighty-eight. <laughs> it should not be your running back. And as soon as I saw that Taysom Hill was uh, questionable, but it's, you know, I, I doubt he's going to be very effective. That's a knee. Ah, I've got a knee. I ah. immediately, as soon as I knew that that, that that Taysom Hill wasn't playing, I immediately went, oh, it's got to be Ty Montgomery. <laughs> it, 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 it's nothing to do more than, than Sean Payton always out-geniusing himself. Sometimes Sean Payton, I think, is his own worst enemy. He likes his guys, and he likes his toys, and he likes his little gadget shenanigans. I don't think they need shenanigans to beat the Bucks, but it's Sean Payton, and he's got to show he's the smartest guy in the room, so he's going to have something dialed up for Ty Montgomery. He definitely thinks he's the smartest guy in any room he's in, and, and yeah, I, I agree. He's going to definitely have some gadget plays called up for someone, and it's probably going to be Ty Montgomery. X factors. These, this is 106 players on each team. <laughs> these are two 53 man rosters, and you and I picked three out of the four games the same X factor. And on the other game, we were on the same side of the football. We were just <laughs> right, we were both Cleveland, Cleveland defenders. <laughs> so, we're other than uh, other than us disagree. You're taking what you think is a value pick with the Rams. Other than that. Uh, we're kumbaya. I mean, yeah. right down to the X factors. That that's unbelievable. I, well, I'm, I mean, I'm blown yeah, away yeah. on that. You're down three, or I'm down nine. That's 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 what it's going to be. Yeah. So this is, I really do like all the games this weekend. I'm just afraid of Baltimore and Buffalo. That's just nothing but my neuroses about uh, very hyped, very. Uh, uh, should be really great games uh, between two young quarterbacks, and and sometimes that kind of goes and then fizzles out and yeah. doesn't go the way you want it to go. I, I wish I wish somebody could figure statistically out what the chances are that we have the same X factor in three games. That yeah, uh, so a hundred and six times three. Not a hundred. No, it's a hundred and six times a hundred and six times a hundred and six. That's how you figure it. Because it's one out of one hundred and six, one out of one hundred and six. But it's really not out of one hundred and six because you got to figure we're not picking the you know we're not picking Tom Brady and you know you know there, there's going to be I would say probably ten guys on each squad that we're just automatically not going to pick. Does that sound about fair? Because we we don't we yes. don't go off. So, you know, let me see here. Let's just say, what's 43? <laughs> it's not 43. That's 86, right? Mm-hmm. 86 times 86. Uh, <laughs> out of the same X factors in three straight games is one in 636,056. <laughs> I forgot to buy that $750 million Powerball ticket or whatever it is for tonight. My Mega Man didn't buy that. I was going to do it on the way home, but, you know, I was crunched for time because I had to get home, eat dinner, 
you know, at stop at Walgreens. You know, I was like, oh my god, I got to do everything. I got home, got to get the show. I got to come up with my X factors, which apparently we had a one in six hundred thousand chance of having we, the exact same X factor. We both wasted time coming up with X factors. We could have just called each other. <laughs> which is pretty hilarious because hey man, what's X factor? I'm gonna take the both, same one. Both of us are known for taking X factors on the losing team too. Occasionally, yes. Yeah, I both consider it. both sides. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I, I, mean, I can definitely take. I, I can, just because I think New Orleans is going to win doesn't mean I don't think that somebody who could have a huge impact is on the other side of the ball. <sighs> I, wasn't I that think... one of my most famous X Vector picks ever? Was a, a guy who was who lost? Yeah, was that the kick returner for Denver? Yes, in that game against Ball, the Joe Flacco game. Yeah. Oh, and I wish I could remember his name now because he had that. Like, would he have two? Yeah, first I think he had two, two touchdown, two kickoff returns for touchdown. Yeah. So. Even though they lost the game. Yeah, that, that, that might still be that still might be the gold standard pick for me for for X factors and you know. No, I I have to agree with that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever done better. I've never I, I outdid myself on that one. The uh, I think the equivalent would be if we uh, if Matt Milano got two pick sixes for us uh, tomorrow night. I think that might be. Uh, but then we both yeah, picked them. Now the pressure's on because we have the same. So so Robert Tunyon <laughs> needs like three touchdowns. He's yeah. had he's had three touchdown game. Um, you know, and I, yeah, that's the only game that we disagree on. That's just that's stunning to me. And you know, and this is the that should be good news to you because this is usually the week. I, I feel the best about in the playoffs. This is this like my clarity all of a sudden. It's like no matter how bad or how good wild card weekend is, I see those matchups and I'm just like boom, 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 boom. That's what I've got. Well, and, normally and, I sort of grind through, but this particular weekend was my clarity. This was all bad matchup weekend. This was the big theme that I had for each one of those games. So this was right. my weekend to sort of see everything clearly. And it came out the same as you three or four. Right, and I feel really good about having the Packers in that first matchup tomorrow. So I'm, I'm hoping that gets me right because I, I just I fear I have so much fear for the Rams. And if I mean if if they get to Goff and if he re-injures that thumb or if he bang, oh my God, who's who's his backup? They called somebody up off the practice squad. I'd never heard of him. Never That's heard right. of him. I and those throws, those wide open throws. That throw, he that touchdown throw he threw to Robert Woods that was so wide open. That wasn't even a good throw. Robert Woods was just <laughs> wide open. He kind of just ran to the spot where like Goff had guided the ball to. And I, I, I just I don't think that they're going to mount much offensively against Green Bay. I mean, if they they're going to need the they're going to need the turnovers and the pick sixes. They're going to need that, I think, to even stay competitive in this game. And that's why I feel good about the pick for the Rams, and not because of the offense at all, believe me, uh, but all because of the the defense. I really uh I'm I'm going with the D to make the the impact impactful plays and 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 rush Aaron Rodgers. This is what I was talking about as soon as I had, knew about the David Bakhtiari injury was whoever their opponent is, if they get good pressure, then I, I got a feeling they might have a problem. And 
the Rams get good pressure. I think they're going to be a big problem. The uh, Rams' new backup quarterback is named Bryce Perkins. No idea. (laughs) He played at Virginia, and he was not drafted. And that's about all you need to know about him. Oh, well, well, good for him. Well, welcome to the NFL. Hopefully we don't see him tomorrow. That is not what I want yeah, to see. Weather, weather doesn't appear to be uh, much of an issue tomorrow. It looks like uh, low 30s, moderate winds. So, so you know, actually a pretty mild January day, I have to say, here up in Wisconsin. Uh, I, I'm used to, you know, sub-zero weather this time of year. I was going to say all the games are cold and gray except for the the dome game but yeah cold is a different uh, is a relative term to you guys uh, cuz that's not all that cold to you. Yeah, no, I don't think that I don't think that 30, you know, let's say that's a that's an afternoon kickoff. So let's say they kick off it's around probably 30 and then once the sun goes down it'll 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 probably be in the 20s through most of that game. That's not that bad. Right. But for me, like, living in the Mid-South for 10 years now, uh, yeah. 30 is, is damn cold. You know, we have we get to times throughout the year where 30 is a heat wave. <laughs> yeah, I, we I come know. out with like long cold snaps, and we all of a sudden have a day where you get up to 30. You got people straight up walking around like short sleeves. <laughs> I mean, 30 and sunny doesn't feel that bad after you've just been sub-zero for a few weeks. So we haven't been there yet. So, um, but I just jinxed it. We've also <laughs> we have seriously dodged every snowstorm this year. You they've will. all gone, they've all gone north or south of us so far this year. So our amount of like our snowfall is virtually nothing this winter so far, it's, but we were supposed to get like four inches of snow last night. I woke up this morning. There's maybe like a little, little glaze of ice on everything. It's, you know, squeegeed it off my car. I didn't even need the brush. I just used the squeegee part of the snow brush and <laughs> on my way to work. So it's been pretty, pretty easy. But have laughed so hard last week. It snowed down here. And that. People lost their shit because snow in Memphis is an absolute rarity. It happens maybe, uh, from what I from the ten the ten years I've been living down here, probably every two or three years we get a a snowfall. And when I say a snowfall, I mean like there's snow there's visible snow in the air. It doesn't necessarily stick to the ground or stick to the cars or anything like that. It just pretty much melts as soon as it hits any surface. But you can actually see snowflakes in the air, and that only happens like every other year here. Do you miss it at all? Uh. Very little. Uh, the, the snow never really uh, bothered me, uh, except for the the two feet that I had to walk through to get to work that one time after the snowmageddon in, in 2011, um, and and any snow that I had to shovel, which was rare. But uh, other than that, um, I didn't. Yeah, I, I, I didn't mind the snow so much. It's the ice and, and slipping and falling on my ass that's not fun. Um, and it's the cold and, and feeling it in my bones and, and having arthritis uh, all through my body anytime the temperature dropped below uh, 15 degrees. That I, I don't miss. I've been around snow my whole life, so you know, everywhere I've lived, there's been snow. But I remember being down in Memphis for one of those like freak snow flurries because you blamed us on bringing it down there. 
Oh yes, I remember that. Yeah. I remember uh, driving down, and there's like there was snow flurries. I'm driving around on the was it 240? I'm driving around on the bypass there, and I'm driving around. There's snow flurries. And I was like, oh my god, everybody's gonna be losing their mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, nothing stuck. No, of course not. Way too warm but, for that. What to do? It, it was like people were running at my job, running to the windows and looking at it. Like it was, and, and these are people that lived there their whole life. So it's not like the first time they've ever seen snow. It's just, it happens so rarely. It's like it's a treat. Right. And and a lot of them, including my wife, wish for it and hope for it because they, it's, it's a, it's a good thing to them. They don't know about snowmageddon. They could never imagine anything like snowmageddon. They couldn't even now, imagine six inches. So, <laughs> You've been down there 10 years. Have, have you had anything measurable in the last decade? Yeah, there was one weekend. It was it was kind of hellish um, because it was down here. And so it's not like it was six inches. It was probably three or four, something like that. But for down here with no salt, with no way of de-icing oh, wow. roads, and, and it, it was it was awful. It was the worst. Um just, just sliding around. I, that was the time that I uh, white knuckled it all the way to work. Uh, the the ground was so white on the uh, on the on the on the expressway that for a mile I was driving on the shoulder and didn't realize it. So I'm so lucky that I didn't slip on some ice over there and go right into the into the uh, median. Um, I, I couldn't see a thing on, on the road. I thought I was in a lane and I was in the shoulder the whole time. Uh, so yeah, we were basically all kind of sliding around and and going, uh, crawling, you know, twenty, thirty miles an hour at the most, uh, trying to get to where we're we're trying to go. And so I'm so happy to get off the uh, expressway and, and make it to my job that when I get to the entrance to turn into my job, I made that turn a little too fast and wound up slamming into the curb and bumped my head on the inside of the car. Um, <laughs> thankfully, it didn't mess me up too bad, but that's just a example of how bad it was down here. And it doesn't have to snow a lot for it to be bad. It's just the fact that they, again, don't have any uh, municipal ways of clearing the stuff uh, and, and de-icing the roads and, and things like that. It's just they're, they're not prepared for it because it doesn't ever happen like that down here. Right. Uh, but yeah, that was a few years ago. Um, it was, that's a bad, that's the worst that has been down here so, since I moved down here. It was, uh, I had to park when I got home, I had to park like, a half a block away because the the street that we live on wasn't clear yet. And it, I didn't want to, I, I, I couldn't park in front of my house. There were people uh, up and down the block already parked in there. If I would have parked on my block, it would have been like three or four doors down. So I just said the hell with it and went to the end of the block and turned and, and, and parked over there. Um, and then that walk from there back to get to my house was, hell because the sidewalk is completely ice so yeah not fun yeah, I, I, I wish I could introduce these people to the concept of salt I, I know <laughs> or sand because that's what they used when I was out in Montana it was sand not salt um, but it worked Either just way. as well pretty but yeah we've got our bucket of salt you know we, we always stock up every year and buy our big old bag of salt and have our bucket ready we haven't had to really use it this year right and uh, oh, you know, good. Count your blessings. We have to use the pet-friendly salt, you know, which costs, of course, like five times as much as the regular salt. I would have never thought about that. I didn't know there was a, a, a distinction. 
Yeah, there is. Or maybe there isn't, and they're just getting our money. <laughs> it's just the same shit. I like your sister with the gluten-free foods. <laughs> there really isn't a difference. We just think there is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is so. it gluten-free? Sure it is. Uh-huh. Whatever yeah. you say. That'd be $10 yeah. more. Oh, man. Yeah. Don't want to be eating no, no glute. I know that. But I know. <laughs> I know when you... uh. When it happens up here, yeah, I'm sure I've talked about it before, but when you get the big dumps of snow and I'm driving home from work, you just kind of make up the road as you go. That's kind of what I did. <laughs> yeah. You know, you sort of, especially if you're the first person to drive on that road in a while and there's no tracks, you know, you just put the lights on, you make sure that the signs are still to your left and right. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and you just go, you know? The signs you can read should be on your right. The signs you can't read should be on your left. And as long as you're in between those, you're on the road. And everything else is, just, you know, it's gravy. And if somebody's coming towards you, you kind of, like, try to slide over a little bit, you know. And uh, you just take your time. And it works It works out. I hope for the best. So I did I did alert you to the fact that I will not be uh, accessible, as accessible next weekend for conference oh, yeah. championship so um be out of town for a few days and uh, they just happen to line up with any of the days that we could have done the show so um I, i'm i had floated the idea that we do a recap because i do want to recap this weekend and uh i figured for the for the sake of time next weekend since i'm probably just going to be calling in to to break this down and it's two picks so we could probably knock that out in half hour 45 minutes um you know, I still this want to is us it. we're talking about. Huh? I know. I still want to give it you know, the full, you know, care that I would give my picks. Uh, you know, so and I've not. It wouldn't be the first time I've made the, done the show from a hotel room. So, <laughs> right. Um, no problem. No problem doing that. But it's it's more the recap. That's why I was like, well, let's throw up a recap. You know, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. So whichever night works better for you, I can do nine either one. Okay. Uh, see, I could even Monday works because you know I've even got that. You know, now that my work schedule is, uh, I, I get home now at eight instead of nine now, so that makes a huge difference for me. So I can I could do nine o'clock just about any night now. No, you know what that uh, that'll that'll make me uh, disciplined and, and actually stay up and take my notes for. Uh, all the games and and if we have a Monday show because I tend to uh, let everything slide uh, because of these weekend shows that we're doing now. I'll I won't watch some of these games until like the Thursday or Friday before we do the show. Okay. So, no, I I, like, I plan I plan to be very attentive. I, I know I'll be able to watch the the Packer game at work tomorrow, even though that falls with the last couple hours. There's going to be nobody at my job tomorrow. Of course. So. From about probably two o'clock clock when we close, so that four hour there won't be anybody there. This is this is a huge game. Um, Civic holiday when the Packers are playing, right? There will be nobody there at all, and um, definitely I'll be able to watch the game tomorrow night, which is the one I'm probably looking forward to the most. The weekend is Baltimore Buffalo, and I shouldn't have many issues uh, 
should be able to catch enough of that Cleveland KC game. That's one of those that'll be, um, what's that, 2 o'clock start? Yes. I'll catch virtually that whole game because uh, I'll, I mean, so I, and then I'll, by the time I get home, Tampa, New Orleans will have just started. So I should have a good, I have a good uh, indication that I'll be able to watch them all. So you like Monday night then? Yeah, that's different. Uh, there's no Monday night football. There's no national college title game. There's, uh, you want some football fix on Monday night, you can come listen to your guys uh, at, at IMLD and we'll break down the, the weekend playoff games and get ready for the conference title games. And then we'll have our conference title picks uh, next uh, Saturday night, I believe. Or I, Yeah, I can go Saturday. I can, I can do nine. Uh, I'll let you know if I need to go a little later. Um, but I think nine o'clock Saturday night should work just fine for me to, to throw those up or even nine 30. I'll let you know I, that one. I might have to be a little flexible on just not knowing what the flow is going to be. Uh, well, if you, uh, if you're only doing a half hour, want to be flexible, you could come down and, and do it in the morning in your car or something like that on Sunday morning. I don't know if you want to do something like that. Uh, but just, you know, freeze up your Saturday night to do whatever. It's just, you no, know. I'm not about that. It's just usually, um, it's, you know, I, I don't want to do it so late that the kids are asleep. Yeah, yeah. It's usually, so 9 o'clock would probably be the best. Okay. We'll, we'll have it set up and ready to go. So, that, yeah, that's a, I think that's a good plan. And yeah, Monday night, we'll do a Monday night show. I couldn't, I don't know if we've ever done a Monday night show. I don't think we have. I think, that I think we've first. actually hit every other night of the week. <laughs> I think you're, well, except for Sunday. But, yeah, the, I think that's about it. Yeah, the only two, Sunday and Monday. I think we've actually done Sunday shows before. Uh, yeah, well, if you're counting, like, uh, the uh, honors and dishonors. Yeah, honors and dishonors is always a Sunday show, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. During the old, what used to be the Pro Bowl uh, weekend, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which I, what are they going to do now this year? Play it on Madden? I, I don't know. I don't know. They, I, I did find it kind of funny that they now you picked your teams for for the Pro Bowl and you give out the incentives, and now all these other guys that would have gotten a spot because the top fifty guys that usually get selected to Pro Bowl uh, opt out and say, you know what, I'm good. I, I don't, I don't need to go to the Pro Bowl again. You know, Tom Brady doesn't need another Pro Bowl. Um, so there's all these you know, guys behind them that would be waiting and waiting and ready and be able to put that on their resume. Hey, I was once a pro bowler because there were oh, eight other guys ahead of me that opted out. He was a, uh, went to the all-star game. Yes. Because there were no other catchers available. They picked. Everyone else that they called were, was, was not available. Yeah. And Girardi was home and said, Hey, go. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Sure sure that those six guys who said no got counted as all-stars too <laughs> uh, I, I don't know maybe, I, maybe I, I'm not sure but I know the Pro Bowl guys usually uh, there's there's so many that opt out and then there's all these other guys that there have been some Pro Bowl quarterbacks like Andy Dalton was a Pro Bowler one year and it's like um, oh, yeah he, he's had some good games but I don't you want to say he's one of the three best quarterbacks in the AFC? That, that's a little out there. So this year, it's just the guys. The guys they have like they have a show where they just like kind of announce it, but we already know, don't we? I believe we do. So nobody cares. 
nobody cares when it's uh, when they actually play the game. So yeah, so we'll have our uh, pick show on the twenty third. That means honors and dishonors would be the thirty first this year, yeah. and then the Super Bowl would be the Sunday after that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 30, uh, 31st. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's correct. I'm so confused. I'm thinking tonight is Saturday and then it's actually Friday. Uh, right. Yeah, that's, 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 that's correct. To, uh, these first two rounds of the playoffs, we have to do our Friday shows. Right. Yeah. Of course it's Friday. Cause I'm working tomorrow. I, I forgot about that. I'm just hoping I win tomorrow on that first pick just to get to get back to 2.8. I, I won't know what to do with myself down only 2.8. <laughs> but that's still enough where I have to make that choice. Do I disagree with you um, for one of those other two games? Well, and last sure. year you had the, the same decision, yep. I believe. And you and – you, pushed it ahead to the Super Bowl and put all the pressure on me. And luckily I was able to get it right. Yeah, you had that uh, one. So yeah. Yeah. Although, man, I had it. <laughs> nah, we had them right where you want, where, right where we wanted you the whole time. Can't get, can't get ahead on the Chiefs, apparently. That, that, that'd be the worst thing to happen to, to LA is, uh, or not LA, but uh, the Cleveland. Wow. They, yeah. they go up three touchdowns on Kansas city. Forget about it. Well, that's the, that's the trick is Cleveland has been a, a pretty fast starting team. Uh Oh, that's, that's trouble. I think they're going to lose. We just, I both can't have imagine they, they beat them. I can't imagine the Browns win that game. That would, well, we didn't have them beating Pittsburgh. We had a sunning. That's, that's for damn sure. Sunning. Ooh, <laughs> man. <laughs> That that's just one of those. You get you have to chalk that up as just one of those things. That that was not the Cleveland Browns proving that they're now you know better than the Steelers or on their level or anything like that. That was just one of those like you got to throw that that game tape and and burn it if you're Mike Tomlin, right? Yeah, yeah, I, and I don't There's even want nothing to break down. I know what it was like in Brooklyn for that game. Oh dear, yeah, another wellness check. We might not hear from him for another two years. Oh. There games that just like you know, Bryce would call in regularly, and then there'd be that game. It was like, mm. yep, yeah, Miami game. They had no business losing, and then that Jacksonville playoff game. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, this one, he hadn't called in in a few weeks, anyways. But they'd been pretty some some pretty low leverage games going on, and then after last week, yeah, I I I, that's, I think Bryce is in some Steelers fan witness protection right now. Yeah, those are the those, those are the losses that make you hope that that he's not married because he's probably taking it out on the old lady right now. Oh no no no! <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> oh man, you know how those mega fans get, man. When their team loses, because they take it as as personal, they take it that their team that's their, that's my team, and they let me down like that. Oh, I remember, I remember the physical pain that I could feel. From, from Bryce in Brooklyn when I picked Washington to beat the Steelers. Yeah, that that did hurt him. That that yeah, hit him hard. You know, and he called he's he was calling us up and we have all the great football conversations and it was like I I mean it was like that was like the dagger in the heart it felt like I was like, man, I, I just picking a game, you know, <laughs> you just feel, seems so pained by it. 
That's his team, man. That's his heart. That's his ride or die. Uh, yeah. This is this is this is the the luxury that we don't get. We get to be we, we're fans of our teams, but we're picking everything, you know. So that that loyalty it'll kill you in this, especially when we're talking about point spreads and what we potentially could be people putting money on stuff. Um, right, totally different for us. Like you, if you listen to uh, football fan rush radio, Renard and Cavs. And the pain that Renard gives out when he talks about the Bears and yeah. the pain, you've heard the pain that Cavs has when she talks about the Vikings, which is her favorite team. Uh, it, it's totally different when, it, when you're a fan and you're invested like that. It's, it's, it's a whole different ball game. Um, and you can hear a little bit of it in me when I talk about the Bears sometimes. So it's still there. But, yeah, you, I do have to look at it much more uh, objectively, as objectively as I possibly could. Um, if this was 20 years ago when this Bears Saints game came up, I might have I might have had my Bears flag out and I might have been I had my pom poms out and talking about ba- Trubisky's back, baby. You see him? You seen him this last three four weeks? I don't care. He ain't played nobody. He's back, and the Bears are gonna go in and take that ass and beat the Saints, and they're gonna shock the world. I, I can definitely see myself making that pick, but now like no, no, I I know better. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know much. I know way better than to do something like that, right? You know, I mean, hey, uh, I had to sit. I had to. I had to sit here and talk for two hours about twenty-eight to three. Oh, yeah. But I also got to sit here and talk about, you know, a couple months before that, just the pure joy of when the Cubs won the World Series, and that was like, you know, pure elation coming through. Sure. So. Sure. You know, we, we we do feel it. So I you know I don't want people out there to think that we don't we don't feel that fandom. We do. Oh, if if we had a podcast, if I had a, a open mic when the White Sox won the World Series, I did not go to sleep that night. Uh, I don't even remember when I went to sleep, um, but it was it was electric. It was it was you unbelievable. Cried. I did not cry. I was more like shocked. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, that's what happened to me when the Cubs won. I mean, I remember yeah. remember hiding from my television set. I was so afraid to see what was going to happen around the corner at my TV. And and they get that last out, you know, and I can still see it, you know. You know, Mike Montgomery gets the Mike Martinez, the weekly ground out, and then Bryant slips, and you think, oh, let's go. Oh. And, and it's over. And I, remember, I literally just, I fell on my knees. I mean, I was standing up. I could I literally fell on my knees, and I had my hands up. I mean, I don't do that, you know. <laughs> there I am, and I'm down there, and I'm just pumping my fist, and, this, and then it's just like, wait, 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 we won, right? I don't know what this feels like. As you probably had that same feeling being a White Sox, because they hadn't won anything in your life, you know. I had that feeling like. And then for the next few hours, I mean, I'm watching all the post-game stuff, and I'm watching it on my phone and TV, and I'm watching them get the trophy, and I'm just sitting there. I couldn't believe it. Exactly. And I went to bed. I was like, did they win? I was like, yeah, they, they won. And I went <laughs> to bed. I got up the next morning, and the next morning is when I finally teared up. Mm. Because I think then it was the shock was over, and it was like you had to check. I had to check, like, oh, okay, yes, that wasn't me dreaming. It actually happened. 
they really did it, you know, and then you were starting to watch the people, the videos that people were putting together of things and the tributes and all that. And yeah, that, that's when I finally, that's when I finally, I didn't like ball, but, right, you know, right. I, 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 yeah, it's, it's emotional. Just thinking about it. Sure. You know, that Cubs team, I can see it again for a while, the way they're going. Well, you got the one. Hey, you know <laughs> what? enjoy it. 40, what, at that point, I had waited 41 years, or 40 years for it. Yeah, I had waited 40 years for it at that point. Well, you, they, they can't take it away. Oh, I, they never will. Yeah, I, I don't even remember how I felt. In, oh, I do remember how I felt the next morning. Okay. Um, so there's it, a different set of circumstances for me, right? In the fact that I'm living in the heart in the heart of Wrigleyville when the when the White Sox won the World Series, so I'm surrounded by Cubs stuff all all the time at work. When I come home, just Cubs, Cubs, Cubs. Um, I was happy as hell when the night the night that they won. Um, I had a actually had a date scheduled and and postponed it because I had a feeling they were going to sweep and and uh, didn't you know didn't want to have that distraction in the background while I'm trying to, to meet somebody. Um, and then I'm like sitting there after day one, like probably for hours, just in my head, I kept saying this since the White Sox won the world series. Like I couldn't believe it just happened. And so the next morning I remember now I remember how I felt is because I have my socks cap and I'm living in Wrigleyville and I step out the door to, to go to work and for the first time, like ever, I could actually wear my Sox cap with some pride because in that city, as you know, the White Sox are the complete redheaded stepchild of the Cubs. Yeah. And I could not have been prouder wearing my Sox cap that morning uh, because I could look at everybody's face around me. And, and this is, of course, before the Cubs had won theirs. And I could tell they were all looking at me like, you cocksucking son of a bitch. You know? And I'm like, yep. Yep, that's us. We're, we're the champs. You know, I didn't say anything. I didn't have to. I just sat there on the bus ride all the way to work, just kind of beaming on the inside and, and looking at everybody looking around me. They, they weren't trying to look directly at me, but I could just tell. I could get that vibe. That everybody was like, you stupid motherfucker. They, nobody in, uh, outside of the south side of Chicago knew or cared that the White Sox won the World Series. But especially right there on the north side is where it was like they really didn't want to hear about it or see it or think about it. And I was at, I was at my, my proudest at that. And I was having a date that night, so I was really happy. Yeah, I remember, uh, I remember, you know, I live in the middle of Wisconsin. This is Brewer's country. And I was wearing that Cubs jacket with some pride for a while after that. That whole, that whole season. And, you know, even after that, I had that Cubs. Oh, man, it felt good. And I was getting a lot of congratulations. That felt good. Sure. It was very gracious, uh, you know, about that. So, you know, and I don't, and I'm not one of these, I, I really don't consider the Brewers like a big rival, you know, <laughs> um, which is why I think that annoys my wife because I know how much all the Brewers fans, they just like, they just despise the Cubs because the Cubs are the, they're more popular. They take over that place when uh, they play up here. They call it Wrigley North, but I, I mm-hmm. never grew up. Brewers. I, I grew up hating other teams. You, you know, you grew up as a Cubs fan. You grew up, you know, you grew up hating the Cardinals and the Mets and the White Sox. And then Brewers never registered because they were in the AL. That it's, I'm just so 
indifferent to them. Yeah, as the the Jets can tell you in the NFL that their biggest rival in the, is the Patriots, and how they can't they can't stand the Patriots, and the Patriots don't even give yeah. a damn. They're, they're looking at them like whatever. Care. Yeah. They just don't care at all. That 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 that, that that's. That's kind of a funny one. So you have those like really good NFL rivalries, you know, like I mean, that whole NFC North. Every, I think that's a every team is a rival. The NFC East, I think every team is a rival. You know, between the Eagles and Washington and New York and Dallas, like that's a good that that team that division just hates each other, right? Yeah, and I think uh, I was just reading something. It might have been in Peter King's column. I don't remember, but some of the younger fans are still kind of wondering, okay, NFL realignment, whenever that happened, why is that division to wake up? You got Dallas down there and you got yeah. Washington yeah. up there. And you got It's because that's how strong those rivalries are. They wanted to keep those particular rivalries together from the old NFC East because that's how, right. uh, that's how strong they were. And, and, and absolutely, they, they all hate each other because they've been rivals for so long. And I think they've done a really good job of, of keeping the rivalries more regional with the realignments. You know, so most of the divisions make sense, but obviously, yeah, the Cowboys should be in the South. Yeah, but you know, but if you kick the Cowboys out of the South, I mean, what are you going to trade them for? The Panthers? I mean, <laughs> be the mo- eastmost NFC South team. Right, and there's certainly no natural rivalry there. Oh, no, Carolina no, and anybody in the East. Or the Cowboys and anybody in the South. No, right. Well, except for New Orleans, they probably uh, would have a nice rivalry because just based on. I remember growing up, you know, and the Falcons were in the NFC West. Right. The Niners. Mm -hmm. And you're like, and the Rams. It's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, definitely weird. (laughs) Yeah, so so realigned, the last, the most recent realignment when they went to the. Uh, eight divisions, you know, we grew up, it was three divisions, and then you had the two four-team divisions because there were only 28 teams. Mm-hmm. We had Tampa in the NFC North, or it was back then, I believe it was the Central. That's right. You know, and you played Tampa Bay twice every year. Here came the here came the creamsicles, here came Vinny Testaverde. <laughs> the good old days, yes. Uh but that rivalry wasn't strong enough where you just had to keep Tampa Bay in no. that division. That was the thing was none, none of those teams between the Bears, the Lions, the Vikings, and the Packers yeah. really had any massive hatred for Tampa. No, because they were so terrible. Right, and no, nobody was sorry to see them go because there was no regional. There was the, the fans never overlapped. Right. So I like it the way it is. I, I, and I totally understand the Cowboys being regionally – out of place for what the name of their division is, but it, that's got to be the division. Yeah, you, you got to be of a certain age, I guess, to understand it. But uh, just another example of how uh, older, how much older we are. Like some of these younger kids, they they don't get it, they don't understand. Right. So it always makes I always forget who that fifth team was. In which in division? The, old, the NFC. Uh, the Cardinals. Yes. Yeah, the Phoenix Arizona Cardinals. If that's right. It was the Cardinals were that fifth team in the NFC East. So, and again, nobody was sorry to see them go. Yeah, they kept wanting to beat the Cowboys, and they kept wanting to be a rival to the Cowboys. The Cowboys are like, whatever. God. The Cardinals have turned 
to better rivals with their regional. Certainly. Had great uh, Cardinals-Seahawks matchups over the years. I mean, some of the really great games, especially Cardinals. I think we I, we had Cardinal Seahawks one year. I think I picked his game of the year. Yeah, it was it was uh, that Cerro Miedo game. Nobody wanted to give up. No fear. The nine to six one though. <laughs> well, I Remember like that, that one too, but it was definitely oh. different. Yes. Goal kickers kept missing. Yeah, I, I didn't like that part of it, but I liked the the the, the defensive machinations and the strategies. I've picked them. We've had defensive games. I mean, we've 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 had some. Ravens Steelers uh, games back when they were oh man those were that was the must see. You know, somebody was bleeding every game, yeah. Great, absolutely yeah. great. So, oh, I think I'm ready. Uh, call it a night. It's been a long show. Yeah, yep. like I said, I got to go to work tomorrow, so I should have been calling earlier. But... Yeah, I got to be up at six. All right, uh, so we've uh, figured out our plans for next week or a few days from now as it turns out we're gonna go for a monday show just to hold us all in check and and make sure that we watch these games and and get them in our our shows are always a little outdated to be honest when we make our re you know recaps much later in the week than everybody else so this way at least we'll get a little jump on on everybody else having the same talking points yes but but fresher than normal call it keep it honest monday Keep, okay. keep us honest. Keep us honest. This one's got to keep us honest because now we actually got to fill time and make sure we watch the games. That's right. I've got our own branding going on. Uh, so hour-long recap show coming up Monday night, uh, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern. And then we'll be back sometime Saturday night to give you our picks for the conference finals. That'll be a shorty little half hour in and out as Jason is on the road with his family. Uh, So we'll get that in real quick Saturday night. And hopefully you join us for all of our action coming up. Don't forget Monday, this coming Monday, we will recap the NFL divisional round, these four games coming up starting tomorrow. I really think they all four have a chance to be really, really good games. So we'll see uh, if I'm right about that or if we have some stinkers. The, The percentages say we have a stinker or two, but, I can see it. I can see all four of them being really, really good, really fun games. So uh, we'll, we'll see how they turn out. I like my uh, picks. They're, they're the same as Jason except for one. Um, and I like all the, uh, the the bad matchups. I think they, they all just appeared clear as a, as a bell to me, just bad, bad matchups. that You don't want to overthink some of these games. If it just seems like obvious to me, you just call it what you see it and, and you go from there. So we'll see how all of that turns out. You know what All right. Really What's that? Our, our X factors. <laughs> we really love three of our four X factors because they're the exact same X factor. <laughs> I, I will never. I don't think we'll ever top that. I, I really don't think we'll ever. Of course, I should never say never, right? <laughs> no, we were only one position off having all four of them. <laughs> That's crazy. All right, get ready for some real good football, the divisional round, the conference semifinals starting tomorrow. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Thank you all for listening and enjoy your football. Don't make any silly bets out there. If you see it, if it's clear, go ahead and do it. And everybody enjoy the conference semifinal 
2021 weekend, and we will be back very quickly in a few days on Monday evening with our recaps. Hopefully we will talk to you then. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.